Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to the Real Nerds podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy. At Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there'll be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. Do you like your stories told through pictures? Then you can also follow us at Real Nerds on Instagram. You can also call us, 720-6Nerds5. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. I'm telling you all it's a film explosion. What's got the best acting? What's got the best direction? The green little crop, here's our selection. From comedy to drama, even black exploitation. I'm telling you all it's a film explosion. Welcome to the end of 2023 Spectacular in a little show I call Film Splosion, where we take our 10 favorite films of the year and we reveal them to the other nerds. I am Ryan. I am joined always by Brad and sometimes by Zach and even less by Corinne. But they're here today to share their favorite films of the year. And while Brad and I have been on every episode this year, um, I had a hard time because we're doing a guessing game about what our lists are. So I had a little hard time with you guys because I got no, I mean, I literally just had Corinne get mad at me because I want to see American fiction next week. And then she refuses <laughs> to see four things because there's nudity in it, which is just weird to me. You're just closing yourself yeah, off to so many great movies. It. Sorry. I'm telling you, it's a good movie. Sure. It's okay. It's just like I'm not going to watch Aquaman. I don't care if somebody tells me it's fun. I have no desire. When did we become like the hate podcast, Brad? I don't know. We've been and away hey, from each other hey, too hey, long. Hey, hang on, hang on. Brad, what is the uh, rule of Real Nerds Podcast? We go into each week giving every movie a chance, Ryan. Exactly. And if we automatically assume a movie's bad, then we're cutting ourselves off from the art that someone spent a lot of work on, correct? Like you did for Mean Things before we started this conversation? Uh, mean Girls. Oops. I'll still I'll still see it. I'm just saying that it's not going to be my movie of the week next week because I have yeah. an Alamo season pass, so I can go see a movie when I want. Yeah, and it has no effect on if I'm gonna if I'm gonna see it or not. Like I don't like French stuff, but I have a foreign film on my list because we take ten films and we rank them in a certain way, and we go from ten to one. Some people have their legs swept. What will Zach pick as a seven or eighth film? Um, we don't know. We just know it'll can, annoy I, the hell out of us. I can guarantee you, it's not a sweeper. I can guarantee that. <laughs> Guarantee that. Um, I don't know if you can guarantee anything, Zach. No, I can't really. No, like I can't guarantee I won't actually still watch Aquaman: The Lost Kingdom, <laughs> even though I have no interest. Okay, look, Aquaman is not on my list, but it's not like a horrible piece of crap. I like James Wan too. It's just the yeah. There's some cool shots in it. I've just kind of get I, at this point. I've, I still haven't seen Blue Beetle yet. So I, or Shazam: Ooh. Fury of the Gods. I'm like, this is Shazam DC? is good. Okay. Shazam gets a lot of flack, but I think it's the most fun DC movies there are. 
Gotcha. What about Kazam? Oh, wait, no, that's not the same franchise. Sorry. So anyways, we don't... Uh, these aren't critical darlings that most people think of. These are my favorite films, and then everybody else's that are probably not as good as for their picks. Yeah. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to um, introduce the film, uh, play the trailer, and then say why we picked it. Um, Brad has made another Blu-ray with pink and... Uh, Goes with everything. Um, so we're going to reveal these lists. And, yeah, anything you want to say before we start? Really, it's because Brad ran away in the well, middle of this, um, so I don't know what's going I, on. I was surprised. I thought we were going to do, like we did Call Signs last year for Top Gun Maverick. Mm -hmm. I thought we were going to do Barbie and Ken this year for Barbie. Well, you really can't I because... Was really, I was ready to say, hi, Ken. Like, how are you? I, I read the script for Barbie. Well, some of it. And it's literally, the script says Ken Ryan Gosling, or Ryan Gosling Ken, mm -hmm. and then it says, like, S Simon Liu, Sumu Liu Ken. Yeah. And so we're not creative, you know? It's not like, um... Well, Zach would know, be Alan. Alan. I would love to be Alan. Um, I was actually just shocked. Like, I mean, I, it's it's been harder with uh, doing my own podcast to necessarily always go to the movies each week, so I didn't watch as much as I would have liked to, but I was actually kind of shocked how many titles I put in there that uh, on my top 10 that weren't strictly a given. Uh, so it was just kind of fascinating to look at that uh, juxtaposition to other years. So. I did struggle with the bad bottom half of my list here because I actually like a lot movie, a lot of movies this year. Yeah, yeah. There's one that, like, like Air didn't make my list, but I liked Air a lot. That movie shouldn't have been as interesting as it was. <laughs> yeah, that speech uh, Damon has when he's pitching the shoe really like <laughs> One of my favorite moments of the year. Yeah, yeah, and Renfield. I really love Renfield. Adored it, but it just got edged out by other stuff. So yeah, I had a tough time with, with my number ten because there's so many options for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's 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 rough. I feel like that's always the case. Mm. But number ten spot is like almost more coveted than the number one spot because you're like, who's gonna get it? Yeah. Who's going to come up with the weirdest gonna, title imaginable gonna, for number ten? You know, like that last four in for the NCAA tournament. That's how it feels. Very much so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So 2023, what's the uh, what's going to dictate movies for this year for you? <laughs> um, is is just Bar Barbenheimer? That's all it. No, I, I think the thing with Barbenheimer is it really overshadowed. When I went back and I thought about the films and what I watched throughout the year, it really overshadowed a lot of the movies that came out prior to it. Um, in fact, I think all my top. Well, top three actually came out before it. Mm. So, um, oh, nope, one of them didn't. But a lot of them came out before it. Um, mm. So, I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, it's cool to see that. And then going into 2024, I, I don't know. Because I was looking at the movies that are coming out. I was going to say, uh, you know, despite the Super Mario Brothers and, and Barbenheimer kind of uh, eclipsing the box office this year, I, I think uh, a lot more mid-range films had a chance to, to kind of yeah. flourish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they didn't get a lot of press, but uh, box office returns-wise, you know, a lot of a hundred million dollar mid-range grocers. Yeah, it 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 seems like the the expectation of what a film should gross became more realistic than it has been in the last ten years. It's no longer about projecting a billion dollars. It is kind of just like, hey, look at this mid-range film that has that has done respectable, if not better than usual, business. Like, so it's the perception 
I don't want to say it's permanently shift, but it definitely it definitely feels more optimistic than just relying on tent poles only to carry the theaters. Yeah. yeah. Well, you I can. Think, That's not sustainable. You no, know, it's not. Yeah. People just got really tired of all the kind of big names, you know, the Fast X and the Indiana Jones and everything. It's franchise fatigue, and it's not a bad yeah. thing. It means that they... They take a minute to recover, and then they come back full swing. Like, uh, I don't know if it's fatigue. I call it not good movie fatigue. Well, that's another because, part. Because um, the, the, the death of these franchise movies is greatly exaggerated. We literally live in a world, and I know Indiana Jones costs a lot of money, but I think it made 600 and something million worldwide. And I'm like, ah, flop. That's one well, of the biggest flops of the year. But it's about it how, it, it, it's about how much money did Disney put in. It's not the the numbers are not a flop. It's what Disney put in as an investment. No, I understand that, but yeah. it, it's all in, in perception. I said this about Thor: Love and Thunder. It actually made more money than Ragnarok, mm-hmm. but people have it in their mind that oh, also if you it's not for, it's not good. If you adjust for inflation, it's probably about the same. Okay, but but my point being is it's not a flop. It still no. made money. Now, if you can point at the Marvels, yeah, that's an issue. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Ant-Man and Wasp Quantumania still made a lot of money. Yeah. And you're taking a, a character that is Ant-Man, who is whatever. I mean, eight years ago, uh, you could walk down the street and only maybe one out of 60 people knew who Ant-Man is. And now you can find way more yeah, people. So, yeah. I think it's more just it's nice to watch a bunch of billionaires in a room who got their asses handed to them in a strike for a while are starting to realize, oh, yeah, we don't have to make a billion dollars each year. Or they're just crying, or they're just David Zaslav and pissing all over the studio. I think it's partly that, you know, they don't, or they realize, like, it's not a captive audience anymore. People have so many options of things to watch. Mm-hmm. It's like you really have to put out something, a product that is either really good or people are really interested in and excited for. Yeah. So Barbie, Oppenheimer, um, Super Mario Brothers, you know, they all did really well at the box office because people were really excited about them. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, now, well, I'm sure there will be a movie on a lot of our list that, you know, it was just a, a small foreign film that had really good word of mouth. And, you know, I think that even though it didn't make buku bucks at the box office, I think it's going to, you know, live in people's hearts for much longer than, like, Aquaman or whatever else mm. came out this year. Yeah. And it's just been nice to watch the canvas be so diverse in terms of the types of films we're getting. Um, and also it's a chance because like I'm not saying franchise fatigue fully exists in the in the way that the press claims it, but I've, I've felt it. And it's nice to just kind of go out and explore other things that I may not have otherwise like felt compelled to out of just pure exhaustion. So it's just been nice to Finally, it this feels closer to what I felt uh, up to 2012 or 2013 was, where it felt like there's like a bunch of random shit that you can explore. So, all right, Corinne, you're first up. All right, uh, my number ten film uh, was a film I watched like a week ago when we had to turn in our list, but I already knew it was going to be on my film explosion because this uh, I found this story earlier this year and it just meant so much to me so here's my number 10 
ここでは私の言うことに絶対従え出ていけと言ったら出ていけ異論反論は聞かん私は旦那様にふさわしくないこの世から消えればいいのミオさんは今までいらした方とどこか違います顔を上げろそれでいいここにいてほしいんだいやか私とこのまま暮らすのは望んでしまった少しでも長くこの人といたいといずれ程度にも虫が現れると危ない悪夢を止めることができない男のそばにいてミオは幸せになれますか助けてミオはどこだお前がまさか行かせませんミオを助けたいなら殺しろほかないのです行かせてくださいダメだキヨコ死ぬの<笑>そばにいたいです私の幸せな結婚I put the movie on there just because it qualified. Is the movie good?、Uh, it's, it's okay. <laughs> it's, yeah, that's why it was number 10 and it's not higher. Just because、like, the movie on its own is it's not bad, but it's not great.、Um, but it's the story of、um, she's kind of in a Cinderella spot. Her name is Mio. She lives with her father's family and she's treated as a servant because she's the child of his first marriage. And her mother died. He remarried. Her stepmom's a bitch, her half sister is a bitch, and they treat her very poorly. And then they send Mio off to marry this guy that they think is、um, like he's very wealthy, he's very high ranking, but he's supposed、so、to be he's very. So he's perfect. Well, he's supposedly very cold, and he doesn't really get along with people very well, but that's because you find out later that he's been in these arranged engagements with all these women who are just out for his money and his status, and so he just dismisses them. Pretty much immediately, so everybody's like, oh, he hates people. And、uh, they end up getting to really love one another and they fight for each other. And it's, yeah, it's a really beautiful story. So I recommend people check out check out the anime, <laughs> honestly.、Uh, it's way better.、Um, that's on Netflix. But if you want to watch the live action movie for some reason, it's on YouTube. Unofficially. <laughs> Somebody pirated it and put it on there. So. My number 10 is My Happy Marriage. Right on. Zach? All right. My number 10 is another late entry, too.、Uh, and I went in blank、uh, just to decompress from stress and walked out very, very impressed and surprised.
未来を切り開くことはできないあの怪物の生態は未知のことが多すぎてどうですか Yeah, I, I just tell when Brad and I reviewed it,、um, it was cool because Godzilla is scary in it. Yes, yes, he, yes. He is, he is the villain, he is the prick in it. Yeah. And, but what, what I liked is it, it's definitely the first Godzilla movie that I've seen that I cared about the human characters.、Mm-hmm. The other ones, they are, I mean, they're fun, but whatever. But this one, I go, oh man, I, I feel for this guy and what he went through. And、yeah. then all the, between the raids on Tokyo, And then now, this menace of Godzilla is, you know, it, it, the drama in the movie is so well done. Yeah. And I, went, I also talked when I reviewed it, this movie cost $15 million,、mm-hmm. and Godzilla in it is incredible. He looks, in a lot of ways, he looks better than the Godzilla they've been designing for the Warner Brothers、uh, output. So I was off. I had it as your number nine. You, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, not, not too far off. No, no I, I don't know why I thought you would like it. I mean, it's set in the 40s slash 50s. <laughs>、uh, <yeah. laughs> I mean, some of the stuff I had to go off of.、Um, but yeah, no, I, I think this movie, I was pleasantly surprised how much I enjoyed this movie. Yeah, I, and I, I will, not only is Godzilla scary again, but they don't, they, 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 they treat it. As suspensefully as they did with Godzilla in 1954. Now, there's more shots of him in the daylight, but there are some incredible stuff. There's some incredible stuff at nighttime 
in a way that isn't overly blown city lights because of obviously the situation they're in. But it, it also manages to do something that I thought was impressive, which is you already know Godzilla's in this movie. Okay, fine. Done. We got the monster and whatnot. Apart from that and one music cue, this film is not falling into strict nostalgia overwhelm. Mm-hmm. Like it's not it's not trying to fan service beyond a shadow of a doubt. It is trying to be a good movie and it absolutely succeeds. And some of the homages to the original Godzilla are as subtle as camera positions during the human moments. Like when they're going through the whole like this is Godzilla and this is what he does and like they're telling the whole like council what to do. That's like almost verbatim shot for shot angle for angle of Ishiro Honda's original 1954 film for the exact same purpose. Uh, so it was just very nice to watch him subtly homage past films while still making his own Gojira film. So yeah, if nobody has seen this film, you are you, you are depriving yourselves of a great fucking joy. It's fantastic. Agreed. Mm. <laughs> Brad, number ten. Yeah, like I said before, uh, my number ten was difficult because I had so many films uh, that I felt the same about for this uh, slot. But uh, ultimately, I looked in uh, very early on in the year. Uh, a movie came out, and it was the fourth. In its franchise, and uh, it was awesome, and that's a very hard thing to do when you're fourth in your franchise. So here it is. This hit goes out to you, Mr. Wick. Woke up this morning. 42 regular, wasn't it? Yeah. And so it begins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Living in this time behind enemy lines, so I got mine. I hope you challenge you into single combat if you win you'll have your freedom and when i see you i'm gonna take what i want so amen yeah. you ain't real hope y'all y'all feel the wrath of the many try many die if you want to walk get it bloody The only way John Wick will ever have freedom and peace is in death. Yeah, not really. Yeah, my number 10 is John Wick 4. You uh, motherfucker. I'm going to John Wick your ass. <laughs> uh, yeah, John Wick, not a franchise I care that much about. So uh, very low expectations. Um, and yeah, even though this movie, the story is almost non-existent. <laughs> it's just two hours of John Wick getting revenge. Like they don't even really add anything to the Continental or uh, any kind of world building. Uh, it's just kind of like seeing John Wick to the end of his crusade. And uh, by far, the action blows away the other three movies um which is really impressive on this fourth uh, time out like the the finale when he goes up those stairs and then falls oh, down yeah. those stairs and goes up again you're <laughs> just like it just feels like i'm watching mad max free road where they're like oh we got to go back through all the same shit we just <laughs> yeah. did um so it, it had a vibe to me of um the born movies where they make these really cool action pieces like oh fuck we need to write a story to this movie <laughs> let's put some stuff in between <laughs> yeah um 
yeah, it's just it's incredible that the top down shots of uh, uh, that one hotel, the abandoned hotel, where this is like the the god eye view, uh, falling around, he's just blasting those guys with that explosive gun. Uh, reminded me a little bit of um, uh, under the what's that? The one you hate that I keep bringing up. Uh, I can't remember what's called now. Enter the void. Enter the void. Yeah, like it has that like camera vibe to it. But yeah, just like it reminded me of Smash TV. Did you ever play that video game? Is a scroll like it was the same thing, and you just go from room to room and just annihilate people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, John Wick Four just incredibly impressive to me and uh, stuck with me all year. Yeah, it's later in my list, but yep, that's fine. Yeah, you didn't hear it, it as a sweeper. Yes. Corinne, number nine. Um. My number nine was something I saw later on in the year, and it had really good word of mouth, and I was like, really? This? Uh, okay. But you know me, in recent years, I've usually had a uh, Netflix animated movie on my list, and (laughs) this is it. All right, another year, another batch of fifth grade head cases. Let's just get through it. I hope everyone's met our class pets, Leonardo and Squirtle. I'm not touching those things. Don't they eat, sleep, and poo in the same place? Hey, I poo where he sleeps. I feel the hunger. It's a hunger. That lizard looks pretty old. Oh, oh, oh. Run me. Do I look old? <laughs> Thank you. No animal wants to be locked up. I wasted my life. This year, every student has to take home a class pet. This is my shot. Are you nuts? So I go with these kids, then I escape, and then I really live. It's on. of Godzilla! What was that? You just spoke! Mom! No! You talked! No! People can't! No! Why are your hands wet? They're naturally moist. You're talking to them. These kids are all benefiting from my 74 years of wisdom. Everyone thinks I'm weird. Kids, they don't even know you. Try doing this. Wait. It's very nice. You're growing up. No, no, no. It's my dad. What is so special about this reptile? He made me feel like I could do anything. This is going to end badly. This is a tough time, but these are the best years. Believe me. This is incredible! So my number nine is Netflix's Leo, which is the story of a classroom lizard who ends up connecting with a bunch of, I think they're fifth graders. Ryan, did you end up watching this movie? I haven't yet. Damn it. I was hoping you could talk about it with me. I was hoping maybe you had it on your list, too. Nope. Dang. I think think you would like it. I know. I, I mean, I like Sandler. I just keep on forgetting. Yeah. 
Um, but anyway, so this classroom lizard, he ends up connecting with this um, class of, yeah, I think they're fifth graders or fourth graders. And uh, surprisingly, it's a musical, which I was not expecting. Um, some of the musical numbers are okay, and some of them are actually pretty good. Um, but yeah, it's just a very touching story of this lizard who thinks he's dying, and so he feels like he has to, well, initially he feels like he has to escape and, like, you know, live his last, you know, year of freedom, um, you know, kind of do his, like, bucket list sort of things. And then he ends up accidentally getting caught talking to the kids, and they each take him home for a week, and he gives them life lessons. It's just a very cute, very heartwarming movie. So I highly recommend it. Uh, Leo, it is on Netflix. That's why the bucket list from uh, with Jack Nicholson wasn't as big a hit as people wanted it to be because he wasn't playing a lizard. Exactly. I would have thought he was playing a lizard. Wow, I just got to eat. I mean, you're the Sandler guy, Ryan. I'm surprised you didn't have it. I know. Or just even see it. You fool! I, I, I like to... Um, I think Kellen might like it, too. Keep people in suspense. There is a pretty funny joke involving the kindergartners that I will not ruin, so but you should check it out. Definitely on my queue. Zach, number nine. All right, my number nine is a left field choice that nobody would have ever expected me to make, and here it is. Welcome to the Eras Tour. This has been the most extraordinary experience of my entire life. adventure together and that adventure is going to span 17 years of music how does that sound welcome to the acoustic setting And they'd be like, you're going to just like do a show with like all the albums in it. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be called the Eras Tour. See you there. My number nine is Taylor Swift, The Eras Tour. I just want to point out that I've picked so far three of your movies out of the four you guys have had. <laughs> yeah, um, I have <laughs> never in the last, like within the span of my 20s into my 30s, I have never had any like suspicion that I would ever uh, become an appreciator of Taylor Swift. Um, I don't think I'm a full-blown Swifty, but my girlfriend is. And we went through the whole gamut of Swift activity this year from the concert up to this film and I think the reason that I put this on my list ultimately came down to the energy in that movie theater at Alamo on the big um, the big show is so infectious complemented with the power of her performance as a stage performer she is absolutely fantastic and it's theatrical it's bombastic it's chaotic it, it, all it needed was Busby Berkeley drunk off his ass directing it, and it probably would have been my number one film of the year. 
Um, and it's just lovely to watch that energy being felt in a movie theater because you don't... The only other film on my list this year that captured that energy is further up on the list, and I'll explain the difference for me later. But it, being that it's a concert film, it's not strictly the same cinematic prowess as other things on my list, but it still is a documentary capture of a moment that has been very influential throughout this year, uh, whether you like Swift or not. And I think that that's always kind of fascinating as watching a zeitgeist moment unfold, and this one has to be some of the, some of the most powerful use of that that I've ever seen. So I, I, I got infected by it. Like... Uh, I'm surprised no one's asked me how I knew Zach would put this on his list. It's because I love my girlfriend very much. <laughs> I know, exactly. Yeah. You think I put a movie my wife liked on this? Fuck no. <laughs> no, but I love my girlfriend, and I liked this movie a lot. I walked out very, very cheery and satisfied. Oh, I love my wife. It's just I wouldn't love her enough to put a Taylor Swift movie on it. And she said she'd break up with you if you didn't. So <laughs> that's why we're here. <laughs> she was not happy with my 2003 film explosion list. Let me just put it out there. I have nothing against Taylor Swift. I think what she does is really cool. Um, Can you and imagine I, doing it, that like 200 times a year? Fuck no, that'd be awful. Good That's for insane. her. You know, you know what's kind of amazing too about it is like for years, my view of Taylor Swift was similar to what you would hear with Ralph Garman talking on Hollywood Babylon. The more I've learned about her and her experience, the more I realize like, man, that like there's a lot of shit she went through that no other performer would have gone through. Like, people like Kanye being a piece of shit to her and all this shit. It's like, man, I, I, I respect the fact that you didn't give up. Like, that's pretty damn impressive. Because um, it's easy to give up in this world. Um, so, yeah, well. it's, uh, it's nice to uh, watch her succeed that way. I'm actually kind of bummed I didn't get to see this in the theater, but... I hope to see it someday because it looks really well done. Yeah, it's. I, I mean, it'd be nice if they replayed it like they do with "Stop Talking Sense" um, from the Talking Heads. Cause so A twenty four has to get hold of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to see it at the drive in, but I never got around to it. That would have been incredible. That would have been better than the big show. Um, you know, I got really sick of people telling me that I don't like foreign films. So I just want to point out that my first two films on my list are both foreign. Here's my number nine. I'm Rhea Khan. I am going to be a stunt woman. My sister Lena is the only person who believes in me. Want to help me with a vid for my channel? Please! She helps me with all my training. You are going to be such a great stunt woman. That was dope, though. But lately, she's been seeing this guy who I think is a bit of a smarmy wanker. You know, it's a trap. Oh my God, Rhea, chill out. Now, I'm not being dramatic, but these people are evil. I found something. I've got my eye on you. They are not taking her away without a fight. I will strike down you or anyone else who tries to get in my way. How about the bikini area? <laughs> Let's dance. We need to get Lena out. How mischief is afoot. Lena's not going anywhere. You little bitch. Rude. 
are you doing? We stick to the plan. Nothing changes. We are going to show Luna who these people really are. Of course I bodied it. It was magical. I'm pretty sure I drew blood. Uh, my number nine is polite society. Oh, Ryan, you're growing up. I know, right? <laughs> well, not totally, because it's a total action film um, that is about this uh, young woman in England who wants to be a stunt person. And so she trains really hard for it. So she's in martial arts. Um, her sister is uh, kind of a mess up. And then she gets involved in an arranged marriage with a very wealthy family in town. And then she uncovers stuff about this family that is not cool. I'm not going to spoil it because the movie takes a really hard left turn. Um, and then mayhem ensues. But it's really funny. Uh, the action in it is really cool. Um, you didn't see, if you're listening to this, I obviously didn't see the trailer, but also the costumes are incredible in it. And it just has this great energy about it. And not enough people saw this movie, and they should, because it is awesome. Ryan, I'm glad, I'm glad you got this on the list, because it almost made mine. I remember seeing a preview for this, and I was like, oh, that looks really cool. I should watch it. And then I think when it came out, it was only in like one theater in Denver. Yep. So, Alamo Sloan's Lake, because that's where I saw it. <laughs> sad deal. Well, anyway, but... I think it's on Hulu now if anybody's interested. But it yeah, should, Polite Society, awesome. it is a great movie. Lots Which is so fun. weird, Ryan, because you're not polite, nor do you belong to society. Exactly. <laughs> but that, but sometimes my movies do. <laughs> Brad? Ryan in a bunker on his own. <laughs> number nine. Uh, my number nine is an animated masterpiece. My name is Miles Morales. I'm Brooklyn's one and only Spider-Man. And things are going great. Oh, yeah. You were supposed to be here. Fine. All right, whatever. Whatever? Wow. Whatever? So are you like a cow or a Dalmatian? I am the spot. <laughs> it's not funny. Don't, don't do that. Miles' grades are pretty good. A in AP Physics. That's my little man. And a B in Spanish. What? Ooh, okay. Miles. Are you trying me That's what I'm going He's lying to you, and I think you know it. What's up, danger? Miles! Wanna get out of here? Oh! When? So wait a minute, there's an elite crew with all the best spider people in it? Right. Who's the new guy? This is unbelievable. This is the lobby. Miguel O'Hara. The whole thing was his idea. What's a guy got to do to join this spider team? You can never be part of this. Don't even get me started on Doctor Strange and the little nerd back on Earth 1999-99. Come on, go easy on the kid. He had a terrible teacher. Peter. Miles. Mayday. You have a baby? I have a baby. <laughs> I'll take it from here. Miles, being Spider-Man is a sacrifice. You have a choice between saving one person and saving every world. Send me home. 
I can't do that. I can do both. Spider-Man always. Not always. What about Uncle Ben? If not for Uncle Ben, most of us wouldn't be here. <laughs> can't stop me now. You can't run forever, kid. I can't lose one more friend. This isn't what we talked about. You knew? Had no idea what you're doing. Everyone keeps telling me how my story is supposed to go. Do my own thing. You know what me? And then I looked at my uncle and Uh let me guess. He died. Uh yeah, so my number nine is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Um The other seven movies better be fucking awesome. <laughs> Okay, here's why. Like, I know everyone's shocked that it's this low, but it, there was a point where this wasn't on the list at all. Um, the biggest thing is that it's half a movie. It's this movie is all set up, um, and it's almost two hours long. So I feel a little frustrated that it's incomplete for me. Well, I feel frustrated that you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, you broke your best friend's heart. <laughs> like it's it's gorgeous. It uh, animation wise, it does everything the original did, but better. Um, it, it, groundbreaking new territory, but yeah, just story wise, and like I, I it, it it's not a bad story, but I swear every time I've watched it, I've fallen asleep at some point. Um, so I've never fully gotten all the way through it. I think, um, and that's. I think it's just because the animation is so good, it just lulls me into sleep. But like, especially that rooftop scene with the party, like, there's something about like how that drags a little bit that just like my mind just starts to go elsewhere, and then like, like I pass out. Um, but uh, yeah, it's like the biggest thing is it's 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 not it's not done, you know. And the, most of the movie is just setting up all these things, and it gets really interesting. By the time it ends, like it goes into that Back to the Future two ter- territory where, like, surprise, you know, George McFly is dead and um, uh, Biff has taken over, you know, uh, the town. So, um, yeah. But uh, the other thing that uh, helped it get back onto my list was the fact that I got the chance to watch it with Lord Miller at the Denver Film Festival and got to listen to them talk about it, along with a producer and I think an editor and. Uh, yeah, that was a really cool experience, and a lot of times experiences of how I watch the movies mm. determine what gets on my list for the year. So um, I'm really frustrated I didn't bring like the DVD to have them sign while I was there. <laughs> That'd been awesome. But yeah, Across the Spider Verse, amazing movie. Um, but yeah, just kind of missing the, like the the second half for me. So which I hopefully <laughs> will get to watch in the next two years at least. It gets an honorable mention on my list because it's uh, the first movie I got to take my nephew to. It, it's a it's a fantastic experience, but it I I see what you're saying. It is technically the it's a two parter, so I get it. It's okay. Actually, I don't get that mad because when there's a Spider Man movie during the year, there's a chance it's going to be number one on my list. So it's really low hanging fruit. So it's fine. I mean, it's the best movie of the year, but you know, it's whatever. <laughs> Uh, Corinne, number eight. My number eight is a very charming film. Are you there, God? 
It's me, Margaret. I'm here to speak to you today about your changing bodies. The blood is released through the vagina. Please, just do this one thing for me. Let me just be normal and regular like everybody else. Just please, 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 please. What I decided I want you to join my secret club. If you want to be in the club, then you have to wear a bra. Oh. Do you, you think you need one? Are you okay? You can tell me the truth. Oh. Fine. Good. Yes. We have the Campus Improvement Committee. Any volunteers? Social Committee. Fundraising Committee. Oh. And how are you? I read that when you don't have any loved ones around, your life expectancy drops drastically. But, you know, I've had a good run. It's tiring. Trying so hard all the time, doesn't it? I don't know if I want to do this. Just that we're ready. Please, God, let it be a lady. Any of us will look like that when we're 19. We must! We must! We must increase our bus! My number eight is Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Which uh, I happened to see with Jerry, of all people, and that was a fun time. He and I had seen the trailer before, and he was like, That looks awesome, we gotta go. So, um, it's a very charming and heartwarming film about. Teenage adolescents, especially teenage girl adolescents or tweens, I guess, but uh, uh, kind of follows, you know, the main gal, Margaret, and then her mom and her grandma, and just kind of seeing this, uh, and they don't really get into it at all in the trailer, but one of the focal points of the film is that we find out Margaret is from a mixed household, her dad's family is Jewish, her mom's family is Christian, and so there's this kind of underlying or kind of recurring plot point in the movie about, you know, Margaret goes on this journey of faith and trying to figure out, you know, well, Judaism or Christianity or, you know, is God there at all? And um, in addition to all of the drama that comes with, you know, puberty and being a tween girl in the 70s, I think. So it's... Just fantastic, and was, it's not a documentary, but sometimes it feels like it is, just because, like, some of those moments, I'm like, this hits a little too close to home for me. When watching the trailer, I saw Jim Brooks's name, and I'm like, where the fuck have you been? And then uh, by the end of the trailer, I'm like, it makes total sense that he produced this movie, because this sounds, it, like, in tandem with what he's done in the past. So it was just kind of shocking. Like, where the fuck have you been, buddy? Yeah, and Rachel McAdams plays Margaret's mom, and then Kathy Bates plays her grandma, and they both do a fabulous job. The younger cast as well, they all do really great. So I hope to see that, you know, they have great careers after this. Mm. So, yeah, my number eight is Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret. And shout out to Polite Society and um, You Are So Not Invited to My Bat Mitzvah. Because I was tempted to put both of those on my list for similar reasons. Just uh, kind of exploring female um, prepubescence and 
you know, puberty and, you know, just kind of the changes that you go through. Um, and I, I personally was most attached to this movie, so that's why it made my list. <laughs> All right. Zach, number eight. My number eight is one of two films on my list that have Larry Fessenden in them. And here it is. God damn, it's good to see you guys. DeFranco, get your ass out here. Uh. Major? Major. <laughs> You're all here tonight. That's very special. It's been six weeks since Susie checked out. Susie. Then please, will you humor me? With a seance, the spirits speak directly through us. If there are any spirits here, make yourselves known. What the hell is that? Don't you dare get up. What? We have to end the seance before we break the circle. Look! Spirits, force your way into our world with all your might. Come in. I broke the circle. That means the door isn't closed yet. To hell with you then. Oh no! You're not gonna drag us into the dark with you. This madness is over. This war is over. Says who? Uh, so yeah, my number eight is Brooklyn Forty Five. Um, I I kind of like was digging around one day this year, just looking for something to watch, and I was sifting through Shutter. Uh, because I was like going like I haven't looked at the service in a while. What's it been up to? And this one caught my eye. I watched the trailer and I'm like, all right, I'll give this a shot. And I was incredibly impressed to watch this wonderful a bottle piece horror film set amid, amidst a seance that is both externally and internally a horror film. Externally in the seance sense, internally in terms of coming to terms what happened in a post uh, in the world in the second world war and it's very much like it's it reminds me a lot of the movie lifeboat by halvard hitchcock which ryan and i have talked about before imagine lifeboat ryan if it was just set in a dwelled apartment <laughs> uh and uh there are things in that trailer that don't that that where you think you know what's going to happen and i assure you that there's going to be a couple twists that you're not expecting um, I think what was wonderful was watching the mastery of handling this very character-heavy piece in one room and weaving in and out horrors that are internal and external. It is, it's one of the most solid like uh, pieces of horror I've seen this year just in how it handles itself. It's a very assured film. Um, from, a, like, from a special effects standpoint... Like CGI wise, it's like okay, it's it's on a budget, but there are some practical effects that happen throughout the film that are just very impressive and and just it just made me feel very entertained. Um, and it's got solid performances all around. Larry Fessenden's probably the 
among the biggest names in it, but I know there I know there's other ones in there. Christina Klebe from the Halloween remake is there, uh, but uh, it, everybody is on a kind of a level ground in terms of the impact of their performance, and each character has something very very interesting going on. Each of them has some kind of twi- dark twisted secret, and it just managed to manages to culminate in something very very special. So. I really wish it had gotten a theatrical release, but I don't think it necessarily needed it, um, being this kind of a bottle piece. And it's not like Hateful Eight where he's trying to use 70-millimeter cameras and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, if you go onto AMC Plus or Shudder uh, for a free trial, uh, just check this out. It is worth your time, I promise you. Cool. Uh, my number eight, um, I have a weird feeling, much like Brad did to me, that I'm going to make someone very unhappy. This is my number eight. Hey, Barbie. Can I come to your house tonight? Sure. I don't have anything big planned, just a giant blowout party with all the Barbies and plant choreography and a bespoke song. You should stop by. So cool. You can find me under the lights, diamonds under my eyes. This is the best day ever. It is the best day ever. So is yesterday, and so is tomorrow, and every day from now until forever. You guys ever think about dying? When my heart breaks. Some things have been happening that might be related. When my world shakes. Cold shower. Falling off my roof. Ah! And my heels are on the ground. to do you have to go to the real world you can go back to your regular life or you can know the truth about the universe the choice is now yours the first one the high heel you have to want to know okay do it again closer i am closer i am i'm coming with you okay This is the real world. <laughs> What's going on? Why are these men looking at me? Yeah, they're also staring at me. Barbie in the real world. That's impossible. If this got out, this could mean extremely weird things for our world. This would be catastrophic! We haven't played with Barbie since we were like five years old. Oh. No one rests until this doll is back in a box. Even if nobody else Humans only have one ending. Get that Barbie! Ideas live forever. I won't let you do just one appendectomy. But I'm a man. But not a doctor. Can I talk to a doctor? You are talking to a doctor. I need a clicky pen? No. A sharp thing? No. There he is. Doctor! Somebody get security. Is Bobby if you still in doubt? Uh, my number eight is Barbie, which took the world by storm and is a very fun movie. <coughs> Sorry. I-, I love that there's just this collective hush. I mean, they're like, they're like, oh, it's all funny games when they spoil Ryan's favorite movie. But when I spoil everybody else, it's like, oh, fuck you, you piece of fucking shit. Uh, you, guys, you know what? You're not to... Ken enough. 
<laughs> we need to get together and get Ryan canceled for this. This is egregious. I, I, I agree. <laughs> or, or you know what? No, no. You know what we do? We 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 send him to Barbie Land for a week to learn a lesson. Put him in the box. Put him in the box. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, the movie's really fun. Um, it is silly, but it also has a really great message. It is silly. You're shaking your head down there. I'm it, just still disappointed. This is your number eight. Okay, it's silly. Um, no, I'm disappointed. This is your number eight. Yeah, there better be seven films better than this, Ryan. There is. No, there's not. There is. Before I looked at the Patreon, it just got interesting when I realized it wasn't about horses. You did see the Spider-Man Barbie in the movie, right? I no. <laughs> there was a Spider-Man Barbie. Yeah. Oh fuck! Are you sleeping I mean, through I, it? I mean, I know Shang Chi was in it, but <laughs> retroactively, it's your number two now, and right? Bruce Campbell was walking down the street in one scene. Um, <laughs> but it does have a great message too. And uh, one of my favorite things about this is how um, conservative media flipped out about it. <laughs> and it literally was highlighting exactly what they were flipping out about. Mm. Obviously, people that have never seen the movie. Um, because when Ken learns that men can do whatever they want, um, and he takes it back to Barbie world and how toxic it makes everything, uh, I think is very spot on. Um, for how we treat people and expectations in society. And he's, Ken is probably one of my favorite characters of the year. Um, just because his arc mm-hmm. is really great. Um, in, in a role that's usually uh, defined by women, where he thinks he's defined by being with Barbie. And Barbie has to tell him that no, you're not. Your Ken is enough. So it's uh, it's a great message. Brad, number eight. Uh, so yeah, my number eight is a bizarre surrealist masterpiece. Do you want to see what the world is really like? Yes. My name is Emma Stone. I'm playing Bella Baxter in the film Poor Things. This is Bella. She's an experiment. She's understanding what it is to be a member of society. Good evening. The more autonomous she becomes, the more challenged these men seem to be by it. It's a very, very funny film. Why do people not just do this all the time? Mm. We must experience everything, Bella. This makes us whole. wanted to play Bella because it felt like acceptance of what it is to be a woman, to be free, to be scared and brave. Bella. Why I keep it in my mouth if it is revolting? I must go punch that baby. So yeah, my number eight is Poor Things for <laughs> punching babies. For punching babies. <laughs> babies uh, have had it too good for too long. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, my number eight is uh, Poor Things. Um... It's uh, the best Frankenstein movie ever made. Ooh, that's bold. <laughs> you, hear, you hear that, Zach? <sighs> when I get you outside, I swear to God. I'm uh, yeah, so uh, Poor Things uh, is about Emma Stone's character, Bella Baxter, um, is a suicide victim mm-hmm. that gets reborn as her daughter and has to relearn life. 
And uh, Willem Dafoe plays Dr. Frankenstein, who uh, nudges her into uh, uh, first just being like trapped in, in his world and then lets her be free and then it goes to, to explore everything. And, and much like Barbie, um, she goes into a, a very patriarchal society and challenges all those uh, status quos. And uh, one of the most amazing things about the movie is her performance where she starts off as a very like simple minded person and that's reflected in her dialogue and almost without you noticing by the end of the movie she just speaks like very highly educated um and then ryan you mentioned it too like mark ruffalo's character is like the opposite of ken yeah <laughs> he's like the ultimate douchebag man um and yeah his old yeah, he's a piece of shit yeah he's awful um and uh, but it, it, the whole movie is surprisingly. I, I mentioned it on the episode we did. It's like the Wes Anderson movie I didn't get this year because everyone kind of has this like dry, weird dialogue. Um, and then there's all like it's gorgeous to look at um, yeah, Zach, in a different it's black way. And white for half the movie. I know it's it's, it's been scheduled <laughs> conflicts. I want to see this movie real bad. Yeah, um, but yeah, highly imaginative, but like not as like meticulous as like a Wes Anderson production design. Um, like it just feels like everything's kind of like a soundstage that's just like exploding um, in like weird fantasy directions. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I didn't expect it. Like normally, I, uh, Yorgos Lanthimos work. I mean, usually like oh that's creative, but like it didn't doesn't connect with me. But this one just blew me away. I was like oh wow, the, all, the hype is there. I see it. I, it's nice to kind of watch that guy slowly but surely gain a foothold into people's consciousness because he's not like he's. It's not like Wes Anderson where he has a palatable taste that can transition however slowly it is. Like, yeah, there's it's there's just really funny moments in it too where it's trapped in Victorian times, but they have some dialogue that is really modern. There's a part in it where Willem Dafoe is coughing and he coughs up blood. And Mark Ruffalo's character says, look, he coughs up blood, not like air, like real people. And, uh, this guy goes, he has fucking cancer, you idiot. <laughs> shuts him up. It shuts him up. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, my number eight, poor things. Corinne. All right, Corinne, don't fail me. Lucky number seven. All right, my number seven is a prequel to a franchise I've been kind of interested in. So, this is it. We're live! Mr. Snow, after everything you've seen out there in the world, what are the Hunger Games for? Are you? Are you coming to the tree? The Hunger Games, they're to punish the districts. Those tributes don't have a choice. Your role is to turn these children into spectacles, not survivors. We're live! Smile, it's why we have teeth. Imagine it was your name that they pulled. I just want to know that somebody still cared about me. That I was still of value. Welcome to the Capitol. You look like you shouldn't be here. I shouldn't, but I'm your mentor. A rebel. I am going to get you out of here. You want to protect people. 
And it's essential to accept what human beings are and what it takes to control them. Let's see you use that famous snow charm. You seem like a good man, Coralina Snow. I have seen what war does to people. Fueled with the terror of becoming prey. See how quickly we become predator? I want my enemies to see a rainbow of destruction engulfing the world. The monsters! All of you! Good luck with that poor little songbird. Where is she? mystery and mysteries have a way of driving people <laughs> mr snow let me ask you one final time what are the hunger games for My number seven is The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds, Songbirds and Snakes. I, you know, when they were advertising this movie, I was like, I mean, it kind of looks interesting. I don't really care. Maybe I'll see it. And then, you know, hearing everybody online, all the big Hunger Games fans, because as I said, during 2013 Film Explosion, I never read the books. I liked the first two movies. I really liked catching fire and then i never saw mocking jay but i knew what happened so i was kind of like okay you know that's fine um but then this came out and everybody online was like this is a really good movie you should check it out and i was like okay so yeah it's a really good movie especially if you have any attachment to the hunger games franchise because this is a prequel telling the story of the villain Coriolanus snow who ends up becoming president of pan m and it's kind of like a villain origin story for him, but it's also an origin story sort of for the games. Uh, not like their creation, but kind of how they became the games that we know from the Hunger Games franchise. You start to see a lot of these elements, you know, because Snow decides like, oh, they should be spectacles. Like we should really hype it up and they should have sponsorships and all these things that we end up seeing later on in the franchise. And it is fairly long, fair warning, but um, the first third is like the build-up to the games themselves. The middle third is the games. And then the final third is kind of the fallout, everything that happens afterward. Mm. And uh, <laughs> I don't want to say too much because that final third is honestly, I think, the best part of the movie. Um, like the first two thirds are, are still really good, but... It's that final third that really gets it for me. And, um, like, you really start to see these characters and, and kind of who they really are. Because when they're in the Hunger Games, they have to act a certain way because, you know, their lives are on the line or their reputations are on the line. But when they're kind of out afterward and it's like they have nothing to lose, they're kind of different people. Mm. So, I don't know. I, I would recommend it. Um, my number seven is The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. 
Zach, number seven. All right. My number seven is a foreign action film that I was kind of shocked to see didn't get as great a reception box office-wise as I would have hoped. But it's amazing, and here it is. when you take everything from him. Do you really believe that he's immortal? No, he just refuses to die. How many mines did you bury here? All of them. You? And you? It's not about who is the strongest. This is about not giving up. We have a word for that in Finland. We might have a problem. Yeah, my number seven is Sisu. Uh, in a weird way, I think this film gave me what I initially thought Inglorious Bastards would be in 2009. Uh, but, uh, I mean, Inglorious Bastards, the movie I got, is great. But this film was just a solid, nonstop action piece that uh, it set itself amid World War II, so that'll always catch my fancy. But I think what I love about it is that it very much plays out like a spaghetti western or a Sergio Leone movie. Um, Brad and I were just talking about it on the uh, during the trailer, but... He really is not. uh, He's only killing the Nazis because they're after his gold. Uh, And the way I kind of take gold, yeah. (laughs) And I looked, and I looked at it more as like it's similar to Sergio Leone's Man with No Name, where he very much is in it for himself, but that's not going to stop him from saving a bunch of women who have been kidnapped by the Nazis. Or, uh, Uh, dude, I just had a great idea. What fucking leprechaun? But the Nazi steal his gold. Oh, because he's always after his gold. That's a good idea. Fuck. Uh, Copyright Real Nerds Podcast, dude. Dude. Oh, are we writing it tonight? Yes. Yes. One over one night with a ton of coffee. In us. Um, but yeah, no. And it's uh, it's also very 
like the dialogue is so fucking sparse. The main hero virtually never speaks. Uh, and so it, it very much relies on its visual acumen, and it just totally succeeds at it. Uh, the visual effects uh, have a solid footing under them. It's a similar situation to Godzilla Minus One, where it's like, the movie's not that high-budgeted, but the special effects look fucking incredible, especially the plane sequence near the end. It just actually looks more fantastic than it has any right to. Uh, it was just a thrill of a fun ride. I, I was devastated to see it not do as well as it should have at the box office. This is this is a movie that people will have fun with, hands down. Uh, so yeah, number seven, Sisu. Sisu! Nice. Well, my number seven is an unlucky number for some. It continues the gore. Dead Rise, um, a fitting entry into the Evil Dead universe. Uh, yeah, it's it's intense. The, the one time I really felt bad taking my kid to maybe a movie he shouldn't see um, is you did no, you did, did what? I didn't take him to this movie. Okay, but I did take him to see Megan. Oh, and I didn't know this trailer was before it, <laughs> and so we're watching it because I I text Brad. I said, Hey, can 
can Kellen watch Megan? He's been asking about it because Brad had seen it. He says, yeah, it's like cute Chucky. I'm like, all right, cool. He's probably fine. <laughs> so we're sitting in the theater and this trailer comes on and Kellen's eyes are as big as fucking hockey pucks. <laughs> and, and the part where she says, mommy's with the maggots. Oh, no. Kellen's, it, like he didn't look away from the screen. I was like, oh, I'm a horrible parent. <laughs> oh, um, no. But he soon forgot about it. But the movie is intense. It's I'm glad they put it out uh, in the theaters. Um it's a, it's a it's a really fun movie. Uh, it does go places you don't expect it to go. Bruce Campbell is in the film. He's one of the voices on the record. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's just a fun movie. If you like Evil Dead movies, then this is uh, right up your alley. You forgot the part where you came home after a long day at work, and you you went into your house <laughs> in the living room. Kellen was just sitting on the floor. With his back to you, playing with his trucks, and then you started to like inch up close to me. Hey, Colin, hey, buddy, how's it going? Where's mommy at? And you just hear him say, "Mommy's with the maggots now." <laughs> Dude, I would freak the fuck out. Yeah, that was, that was a weird Saturday night at the house. The scariest thing that's ever happened to me as a parent. Um, we've all seen. Well, maybe Corinne hasn't, but the Dawn of the Dead remake. So one night I'm sleeping in my bed, and you just have this feeling that someone's watching you. And so I, I open up my eyes, and Kellen's in our doorway <laughs> to my room, and he's just going, <sighs> God. And I was like, what the fuck? And then he just ran and jumped in my bed. <laughs> I almost, like, punted him out of my room. Because um, if you've seen the Dawn of the Dead remake, that little girl is in the hallway, and then she comes running into their bedroom and bites that guy. Um, wow. But that's all I could think of. But luckily, my kid was not a zombie and or possessed by a deadite. So Luckily. <laughs> Dodge Not yet. Uh, but you should see uh, Evil Dead Rise if you like blood and guts and people getting eviscerated. What if I don't? Uh, yeah, it's not a movie for you, Corinne. Yeah, it's not a movie for for you or my girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, because it's also it's also one of those movies that uh, there's always a caveat: the violence is intense, and it's not like Evil Dead Two goofy. It's, no, 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 no. It's mean. <laughs> no, it's mean, but I don't even know if it's as mean technically as the remake. Oh no, that's yeah. not. That's why. That one ranks higher for yeah. me. But it's still a fun movie, though. Brad, number seven? Yeah, also has one of the best title cards of the year. Agreed. Mm. Oh. Uh, yeah, my number eight is a uh, seven. nice holiday. My number seven is a nice <laughs> holiday movie. You just earned yourself a detention, sir. You is already one big detention. Son of a... Sir, I don't understand. That's glaringly apparent. I can't fail this class. Oh, don't sell yourself short, Mr. Coates. I truly believe that you can. Every year at Barton Academy, students, faculty, and staff depart the campus for a two-week winter break. But there are always an unfortunate few who have nowhere to go for the holidays. They're known as the holdovers. Mr. Hunnam. Hello, Mary. I heard you got stuck with babysitting duty this year. How'd you manage that? You know, he used to be a student, right? Yeah, that's why he knows how to inflict maximum pain on them. Oh. I thought all the Nazis were hiding in Argentina. Stifle it, Tully. You just earned yourself a detention, sir. Being here with you is already one big detention. Son of a bitch, that's another detention. Do you think I want to be babysitting you? No, I was praying your mother would pick up the phone or your father would arrive in a helicopter or a flying saucer. My father's to take you dead. Up. You don't tell a boy that's been left behind at Christmas that nobody wants him? What's wrong with you? There's nobody here, okay? You stay out of my way, and I'll stay out of yours. Let me sleep. 
most of the kids dislike you, pretty much hate you. Teachers, too. You know that, right? I find the world a bitter and complicated place, and it seems to feel the same way about me. I think you and I have this in common. I don't think I've ever had a real family Christmas like this before. Thank you, Mary. You're welcome. History is not simply the study of the past. It is an explanation of the present. See, when you say it that way and throw in some pornography, it's a lot easier to understand. I'd like to propose a toast to my two unlikely companions. Are you trying to lift down my shirt? No. <laughs> yes. You're going to get me fired. This is your Rubicon. Do not cross... The Rubicon. The Holdovers. So yeah, my number seven is The Holdovers. Uh, a nice movie about uh, a bunch of broken people who are stuck at this college over the holidays. And uh, as they suffer through the winter, they, uh, the reason why they're broken uh, unravels and uh, eventually... Uh, they you know, they start out hating each other and then learn to uh, like like each other. So um, yeah, just a nice fun holiday movie. Has a nice eighties aesthetic to it. Yeah, the trailer's a little corny. <laughs> it's a uh, but I think it's it, it has that feel to it. You know, yeah, it's yeah, it's set in the seventies. I think um, so. The production design is very yeah, it has like a really uh, warm, inviting aesthetic to it. Nice. Nice. Yep. Corinne, number six? Um, my number six, I did not get a chance to see it in theaters. Um, it wasn't until I was home at one point during the summer, but I got to watch it with my family, which was a lot of fun. So this is my number six. On your knees. Okay, chop it off. Chop it off. Let's do it. We're thieves, but we help the wrong person steal the wrong thing and unleash the greatest evil the world has ever known. The Red Wizards created an army of the undead. Sounds lovely. Quite the opposite. I know I was being ironic. I find irony is a blade that cuts he who wields it most especially. You're not a lot of fun, are you? How are we going to pull this off? We're going to need a team. You need cooling. Follow me to the orifice. Back to school. The orifice? I'll go lost. Let's go! I don't mind that. He missed. Oh, that's not good. Aren't you sick of failing? We can die. There's worse things than dying. I lost everything that ever mattered to me. And if we quit now, that's for nothing. I don't want to see you die, which is why I'm going to leave the room. This ends now. 
bridge is protected by an ancient trap. We must not trigger the mechanism. I may have triggered the mechanism. So, sorry. My number six is Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves, which I'm surprised I'm the first person to bring this movie up, to be honest, but um, yeah, it's just a really fun time. I rewatched it recently, and it's insane how funny and well-crafted this movie is. I think one of the best examples I can give you is in the opening narration that um, Chris, Chris Pine is, uh, or his character is, um, explaining kind of their backstory and there's this shot of these jewels in a window shop or in a, like a shop's window and he is busting through and just like the the angle they pick and the it's just yeah it's like a really simple moment but you're like wow instead of doing something just you know like whatever like ground level bird's eye view or not bird's eye view just doing it straight on you know they go for something a little bit different and I think that there's little touches like that throughout the film that really just pay off at the end. And it's, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, kind of has like a Guardians of the Galaxy sort of vibe to it of just all these misfits coming together, a lot of really well-crafted humor throughout. And yeah, you guys saw it. Yeah, no, I think it's one of the movies that surprised me most this year. It's really fun. Yeah, yeah. It, it it was close to my list. I really enjoyed it, and it and I started playing Dungeons and Dragons last year, so like it was nice to walk in and understand a, a portion, but like a good chunk enough to enjoy myself even extra. So yeah, it's way better than it has any right to be, and oh, yeah. I think this movie just proves that Chris Pine needs to sing in more things. I think this proves that Chris Pine needs to be the Chris we start casting more often that isn't named Evans. I would agree with that. So you know who I just isolated. (laughs) I'm Chris Pine. I'm the best Chris. He's the second best Chris. Evans is the first. So You missed that movie then. (laughs) My number six is Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. Zach, number six. Uh, My number six is a repeat. It's Evil Dead Rise, which means I like the Evil Dead franchise more than Ryan fucking Frost. (laughs) You shut your mouth. Nope, 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 nope. Mm-hmm. I'm the now the number one fan of <laughs> Evil Dead on this podcast. Now, um, yeah, dude, I this film was fucking cool. Uh, the the opening scene for me when she's reading from Wuthering Heights <laughs> just before it goes in for the kill was just it was the right amount of Sam Raimi ish goofiness combined with something that was truly terrifying. Uh, the guy who directed it, um, I know he did a, he's an Irish director who did another film, like The Hole, I think it was. I haven't seen that yet, but he, it made me want to go check out his film, his other film, because he just handled the tension of Evil Dead so brilliantly. And the high-rise concept itself was going to get me in the door, but the way they really worked to maneuver a story where you cared about these characters was something impressive. The Evil Dead franchise just has a great way of getting you to give a shit about these characters and I'm glad that they continued that tradition and I think it was a, it's in that echelon of some of the most exciting films I saw with an audience this year where it was just a lot of fun to listen to people react 
uh, the amount of blood in it did genuinely get me back to queasiness. Mm. Not as much as the Evil Dead remake with certain scenes in the middle, but it got very fucking close. The, the climax of this film with the chipper is just fucking mm. insane. Uh, so yeah, if anybody hasn't seen Evil Dead Rise yet, check it out. I'm you know I I give shit to David Zaslav enough, but props to him for getting this shit in the theater because it deserved to be in a theater. Now, having said that, he's still a piece of shit who's ruining Warner Brothers. Fuck him. Anyway, yeah. Number six, Evil Dead Rise. My number six is a repeat again. Brad is the one who makes me keep on repeating. <laughs> Uh, it's Poor Things. Um, my favorite part about Poor Things is how many times I see Emma Stone naked. <laughs> and for this large chunk right in the middle. God. <laughs> you see everything. <laughs> um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, it's it's really funny. And like I mentioned, some of the dialogue is really silly. But for some reason, it really fits this world it's in. Um, if you're willing to accept the world you're stepping into. Um Behind the facade of this, uh, what you've read online about like sex scenes and stuff like that, it's actually about uh, a person learning about who they are and learning what is uh, what they need in life and accepting them for who they are. And Emma Stone, you mentioned it, Brad. It's really fascinating to see her at the very beginning where she goes. Bella like, Bella like, and then towards the end of the film, you know, hour and forty minutes later, she is working towards being a doctor, and she is so articulate, and she has a better understanding of people than all of these so-called educated men in her life. And a great yin to her yang is the Mark Ruffalo character because he is a lawyer in this who's supposed to be very well educated, and he has money, and he's wealthy. But he's a fucking prick, and he doesn't understand the plight of other people, which Bella learns while she's on this cruise, and it changes the whole dynamic of the film, where she loses her innocence, and she starts understanding what poor things actually means. The meaning of the film is a turning point for Bella as a character, and the title of the film, and what she does for the last third of the movie is, um, is very fascinating. That also involves sex, but in a way where she's the one who's in power and she uses it against men in a way that I think is really interesting for a character development and character growth. And so everybody should see this movie. It's awesome. I'm excited to watch this now. Brad, number six. Uh, there's a lot of movies lately about uh, people in business doing really impressive things for business, and uh, this one had the most digital references this year. <laughs> yeah, what can I do for you? Okay, picture a cell phone and an email machine all in one thing. There is a free wireless internet signal all across North America, and nobody has figured out how to use it. It's like the Force. Sorry, have you seen Star Wars? No. That guy is sketchy. I don't think he's sketchy. The guy's a shark. 
I know how to market it, and I know who we can sell it to. But I want 50% of the company, and I've got to be CEO. I don't know who you think you are, but deal. Are you joking? to get this thing to market and we are a year behind. I need a prototype. I'll do it perfectly or I, I don't do it. Mike, are you familiar with the saying perfect is the enemy of good? Well, good enough is the enemy of humanity. What do you call it? It's called a Blackberry. Hmm. Try typing with your thumbs. baby in the hands of every fortune 500 executive you can find we call them crack berries it's not good come with us sir no you want to be great you need to sacrifice and the more painful the sacrifice the greater you'll be if we put more phones on these networks they're going to crash is this legal you need to sell a million blackberries uh. Takeover! Do you know what the sentence is for multi-million dollar stock fraud? What are you doing? I'm doing it all. You guys have no idea how to run a company. What's happening, man? I created this entire market. You said they were the best engineers in the world. I said they're the best engineers in Canada. What are they paying you? I shouldn't say. They're paying me $10 million. Yeah, me too. So yeah, my number five? Six. Six. My number six is uh, BlackBerry, um, which I've never owned a BlackBerry, so why would I care? But uh, this is a fun movie about the rise and fall of the BlackBerry phone. Um, uh, yeah, just takes you through the creation of it and uh, the takeover by, I forget his name, uh, but it's the, it's the bald guy that, um, what's his name plays? Glenn, Glenn Howerton. Glenn Howerton. Just call him Dennis. Yeah. Dennis Reynolds. He's super angry throughout the movie. <laughs> um, and then Jay Baruchel plays, uh, one half of the duo that, uh, pretty much creates it. And, uh, he kind of, uh, towards the end, uh, compromises all of his principles and, uh, it blows up in his face. Does he compromise him? Does he? <laughs> <laughs> nice. This is the end reference. Um, and, uh, Weirdly, uh, I think AMC has decided to like take this movie and chop it up into six parts huh. as a, a miniseries on television, uh, which is interesting. So, uh, but yeah, uh, and like I said, weirdly, there's like five or six <laughs> ninja, like they play ninja rap in the car at one point. Uh, there's like a turtle van in the office. Nice. Um, people are collecting turtle figures, so I was like, oh, there's a lot of uh, ninja turtle <laughs> references for this movie that didn't. Realize would be there, I guess, because like the director's Canadian or something. He's like a big fan. So, yeah, uh, Blackberry's number number f- my number six. Love it, Corinne. Number five. My number five is a repeat. My number five is Godzilla minus one. Nice. I'm surprised you guys had it so low. What the hell? But uh, yeah, I saw this right before Christmas. Well, we're surprised you have it so high. Because <laughs> it's amazing. I'm surprised it's in the middle. Wait, no. <laughs> well, Seriously, you, should, you like, should feel better that I don't have it at all. <laughs> sure. Yeah, it's it's crazy how this movie kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, I saw very little marketing for it. It was mostly good word of mouth, and yeah, like this this movie was insanely good, mm-hmm. way better than it had any right to be. And I saw this right before Christmas with Jerry, and we 
we had a blast in the theater. There were different moments where I was like, I legit don't know what's going to happen, especially toward the end, and I don't want to spoil too much, but um, there were moments where I was like, this could go either way, because these filmmakers walked me up to this possibility, and I was like, you know, with a movie, with this tone, with this setting, we could go there. And maybe we did, maybe we didn't. You have to find out. Um, So good. Um, There were, yeah, moments when, like, Godzilla, what do you call it, the nuclear breath or something? Yeah, atomic breath. Atomic Atomic breath, breath where he, you know, charges up. And I was, like, holding on to Jerry. I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, he's going to destroy all of Tokyo. And, like, that scene was really well done. But it was also just devastating because it's like these people have been through so much already. Right. And instead of like in the other Warner Brother Godzilla films where you're like, yeah, wreck their shit. Who cares? I was just like, no, please don't hurt any of these people. Like they've been through too much already. They made a post-war drama first and a Godzilla movie second. And that's what they that's how they succeeded. Oh, man, I got so attached to the characters. And even though I can't remember like most of their names, I ended up I loved Doc. And I was like, if anything happens to Doc, I swear I'm gonna. <laughs> right. I will commit violence, but um, yeah. And no so, one's no one's one note in the movie either. Like like each each side character has some well-rounded definition of sorts. It's really awesome. Yeah, it is. And just yeah, that bond that all the characters form when they start working together, and how they all kind of become like a found family, mm-hmm. to the point where when that final decision is made, you're. Like, you are in their shoes. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. So, oh, man. I, ah, I wish we could just, like, talk about this in full, but mm-hmm. I, I missed it. I wasn't on that episode. But, um, yeah, I had, a, I had a fun time, and Jerry and I both came out of the theater crying. And we, we were like, a, good, a Godzilla film made us cry <laughs> for the right reasons. Yeah. So, yeah, my number five, Godzilla minus one. Zach, number five. My number five uh, is uh, a film with Tom Hanks. You're not here. We're not there. The car exploded. Come get the girls. I have to stay here with Woodrow. I'm not the chauffeur. I'm the grandfather. Where are you? Asteroid City, Farm Route 6, Mile 75. Junior stargazers and space cadets. Each year, we celebrate Asteroid Day, commemorating September 23rd, 3007 B.C., when the arid plains meteorite made Earth impact. Holy Toledo, that's Mitch Campbell. You're very good in the one about the tramp in the brothel who gets amnesia and becomes a pediatrician. You were very awesome. Actually, maybe my favorite character. I don't know why nobody else liked it. What do those pulses indicate? What? Oh, the beeps and blips? We don't know. Some of our information about outer space may no longer be completely accurate. Anyway, there's still only nine planets in the solar system as far as we know, Billy. Except now there's an alien. What's happening now? I don't know. I don't like the way that guy looked at us. The alien. How did he, how did he look? Like we're doomed. Maybe we are. 
I've just informed the president. How long can they keep us in Asteroid City legally? The world will never be the same. That's an alien doing jumping jacks. That's an alien in a top hat. What's out there? The meaning of life. Maybe there is one. Are you married? I'm a widower, but don't tell my kids. You're saying her mother died three weeks ago. Let's say she's in heaven, which doesn't exist for me, of course, but you're Episcopalian. In my loneliness, I learned to give complete and unquestioning faith to the people I love. I don't know if that includes you, but it included my daughter and your four children. Sometimes I think I feel more at home outside the Earth's atmosphere. Oh, wow. Me too. They're strange, aren't they? They're children. Compared to normal people. Yes, that's correct. It's true. Mm -hmm. Freight train, freight train, going so fast. Freight train, freight train. I do a nude scene. You want to see it? Huh? Did I say yes? You didn't say anything. Uh, I meant yes. My mouth, my mouth didn't speak. All right. My number five is Asteroid City, uh, filmed by Wes Anderson. Picked correctly by me. Nice. Very good. <laughs> I'm proud of you, buddy. Um, yeah, no, I mean, like, I, I enjoy Wes Anderson, but he doesn't always pop up in my lists. And, like, I mean, Fresh, French Dispatch would have been the last one, and I enjoyed that, but not as much as other films. This one just happened to be among the best I've saw, seen this year uh, for me. I really enjoy, uh, especially the way this is intercut between this fictional story in the middle of a desert town, intermixed with this tele, early television Playhouse 90 aesthetic and Brian Cranston kind of going through the process of early television and there's an argument for for not needing those intercuts in the way they flow but I I enjoy the way it's fucking around with the fourth wall uh, that will always get to me Uh, but I also like I I love when Tom Hanks plays a piece of shit like depending on it could be any degree it could be slightly piece of shit or a big piece of shit um, and this is a good like middle ground reminding me of like Gene Hackman and Royal Tenenbaums where he's like he's not a great guy at all he's not a good grandfather by any means but he is just very good at encapsulating that in a Wes Anderson fashion I actually would love to watch him work with uh, Anderson more based off of that uh, and so it was just nice to kind of get a, a very fine Tom Hanks performance uh, that, that, that f- falls into that category for me um, and it's nice to watch people who haven't worked with Anderson before kind of get their toes wet in the sand, uh, like Steve Carell. I don't think we've seen him in one of his one of his films, and he he works very nicely in his world. Um, and I really really liked the whole deleted scene aspect with Margot Robbie. Like I thought that was a nice little touch. So yeah, it's it was just a very excellent and fun time, and it gave me a warm feeling. So yeah, Asteroid City. Uh, number five for me is also a repeat because of the son of a bitch to my right. Uh, it's John Wick 4. I didn't see John Wick 4. <laughs> Still. Uh, no, uh, we touched on it. It's like the story is, you know, he's going to get revenge, but the set pieces are incredible. Um, we've used it for a sweeper a couple times, but he fights his way to the top of this really long staircase and he gets hit down it and he has to fight his way back up again. And it seems like that would be really redundant, but it works. And the choreography and the stunt work is second to none. It's some of the coolest stuff I've seen this year on screen. And it's just really fun. Red ticket tonight. Fuck. And uh, yeah, so John Wick, chapter four. Brad, number five. 
Uh, my number five, uh, if you've ever been around th- uh, theater people, uh, you'll get a kick out of this movie. What up, Adirondacks? Listen up. Squad, gang, maybe uh, zip it. Can we just get you guys to shit? Oh, what a beautiful Oh, that's dope. Welcome, auditioners. You guys are so talented, so unbelievable. This will break you. This will fully destroy you. Congratulations on being the most talented kids at camp. Starfish, starfish, jiggle like a jackal, jiggle like a jackal. These are the things we can do with masks. These people are really weird. That's a good song choice for right. I do believe her as a French prostitute. Famous. Oh, I'm sorry, sex worker. Thank you. Sad news, I will not be doing piercings anymore in the hut because there's a narc amongst us. Um, Cassie has narked. It's totally fine. We're going to need to prioritize the musicals, which means the straight plays are going to have to be acoustic. Quick question, what's a straight play? There aren't musicals and then there are straight plays. So then what would be a gay play? I guess a, 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 a musical. Oh, cool. I know this one's a theater camp classic. So, sell our guts to Broadway, bitch! We only have three weeks to create a masterpiece. It's on you now. All on you. Let's do this. And cue cocaine. You need to know that only 3% of people make it. The rest end up in a mental facility or on a go-go box in Hell's Kitchen. This is a complete disaster. Everything is gonna be okay. Theater people, we know how to turn cardboard into gold. You think this is fun and games? It's not fun. It's art. Minor housekeeping issue. Whoever stole my CBD gummies, please return that. I'm pretty sure I know who it was. Yeah, so my number five is uh, Theater Camp, which is about a... uh, uh, theater in the uh, camp in the Adirondacks. Uh, the person who created it goes into a coma, and her son has to take over for the rest of the season. And meanwhile, there's a, a rival camp that's trying to buy them out, so they have to put on the best play ever <laughs> <laughs> to raise money to keep it open. Um, and yeah, it just uh, kind of shuffles through all the archetypes of theater people, all the stereotypes. Um, as they uh, try to create this uh, sh- smash hit play. It's one of the ones I wish it's in my queue on Hulu and I keep on forgetting to watch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same. But yeah, it's, it's not fun. It's like a pseudo documentary style thing. And yeah. Great trailer. A lot of fun. Corinne, number four. My number four is another repeat. My number four is Across the Spider-Verse. Nice. It was like one of the few movies I got to see this summer, but um, I kind of have some of the similar criticisms as Brad. Um, It is kind of half of a movie. I do feel like it gets to be pretty long, especially there at the very end, because it's kind of like, you know, any point in that last like 10 or 15 minutes, it's like you could have almost ended it there, ended it there, ended it there, and it just kind of kept going like Return of the King or something. Uh, But animation-wise, absolutely gorgeous probably one of the best animated films i've seen this year and the soundtrack is actually amazing like it's on the on par with the first spider-verse movie soundtrack which was also really good 
And I would just like to point out that the first song or the first movie, they're kind of like hit song was sunflower mm. and this one it's hummingbird and those are two of my favorite things so i'm like if in the third film they have one that's like called sunset or ice cream uh, i'm calling it now so you're listening to swing down to get that ice cream i mean i'd go for it um yeah just the journey that miles goes on in this and seeing all the like meeting the returning or like the returning spider people, but also the new folks. Um, is it Hobie Ryan? Hobie? He's, yeah, Hobie. Hobie's pretty cool. And uh, what's the Indian one? Uh, Pavtir. I can't pronounce his last name. But it's yeah, but he's like Spider-Man India or something. Yep. Yeah, he's pretty cool too. Um, just yeah, the whole scene in the lobby with you know all the different spider people running around and chasing him. And just, it has, like, a really strong emotional core as well. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's just just a really well-made movie. And I am totally fine waiting for Beyond the Spider-Verse to come out in a couple years to give the animators plenty of time to work on the next one. And to work and not... on the song. You mean they got to they yeah, write a whole new song now. That's already right. half done. One, two, three scoops. Spider-Man <laughs> swings it to you. What if it's a, a sunset? What if it's a song that park. has both sunsets and ice cream in it? <laughs> sunset flavored ice cream <laughs> and Henry Golding. <laughs> oh, okay. There you go. Uh, Zach, yeah. number four. My number four is a kind of Evil Dead-ish movie from A24, and here it is. <laughs> Have you seen the group chat? And doing it again tonight? No, please. It's my mom's Remembrance Day. I just want to forget about it. I'll do it. Cannot go for more than 90 seconds. Am I clear? What happens after 90 seconds? Don't want to stay. Light the candle to open the door. Blow it out to close it. Put your hand on it. Now say, talk to me. Talk to me. the hand feel like? It felt amazing. I could see and feel everything on the other side. So my mom, she was trying to reach out. Mom, I'm here. Still been saying stuff. You've been saying stuff. What if we opened the door but we didn't shut it? I like you. They're not gonna stop. They're never gonna stop. They like you. Huh? 
My number four is talk to me. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> my, uh, uh, Bueno and I got to, went to watch this probably not advisably, uh, following a death of a friend of ours. Um, and it was, we weren't expecting the film to have elements of self harm attached to it necessarily because the trailer wasn't strictly indicating that. So, we kind of just sat there a little bit frozen throughout the film. But even as it was going on, the effect that it had on me as an audience member was striking. Uh, its lead performer is amazing. Uh, it, it, and it managed to grip me from moment one to moment end. It, it is it is a very powerfully shot film on a very low ebb scale. Like when I see a hand sculpture that you're supposed to grab, my initial indication is the hand's going to grab you or something. <laughs> and props to them. They really do a lot without having to f- gussy it up with any CGI strings or anything like that. It is, it, it's a good, like, like use the tools you have around you kind of a horror film that tells a really good story. Um, and, uh, and it was like weird to watch Miranda Otto giving this like amazing performance outside of Lord of the Rings canon. Like it's I don't get to see her in movies that often, and she plays this rightfully like torn and broken mother. Uh, it, it, there's a lot of stuff to uh, be proud of in this, but I think what it what it did for me that was slightly better than Evil Dead Rise was that like it uh, it gripped me more emotionally than Evil Dead Rise's characters, mm-hmm. but like only by technically a little bit. Uh, it just it it really lays into the family drama a little bit, and it blended so well that it was very affecting. I mean, I think of the A twenty four horror films I've seen. Uh, what I know, it's definitely one of the better ones. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind Ari Aster, but this is for me. This is more fun. I than think Ari he Aster. has his head so far up his own ass he can't see straight. I think that, like, I I think for this film, it's, especially, is that it's just more gripping for me than what Ari Aster has put out. So, like, it's a nice example of how A24's template can be very, very diverse. Like, it doesn't have to strictly be mm-hmm. just strict art house horror. Like, this one blends both pretty simply and pretty effectively. Great. So, yeah, talk to me. Uh, my number four is a really awesome movie that is overshadowed by two movies that I don't think are as good. Our lives are the sum of our choices. cannot escape the past. Ethan, this mission of yours is gonna cost you dearly. The world is changing. Truth is vanishing. War is coming. been a long time, friend. You've no idea the power I represent. It knows your story and how it ends. Listen to me. The world's coming after you. His fate is written. Shall we write yours, too? If anything happens to them, there's no place that I won't go to kill you. That is written.
What's your ultimate objective? Your life will always matter more to me than my own. None of our lives can matter more than this mission. I don't accept that. My number four is Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Uh, What I always love about these movies is they're able to make entertaining films and up the ante in them a lot. And they're super creative. Um, They really focused on his motorcycle stunt in this and the, the promotional stuff leading up to it. But I think at the end when it's the train hanging off is like had me at the edge of my seat and the fight in the narrow alley is incredible better train sequence than the original movie yeah and it's they just keep up making entertaining movies each one's really fun and this film kind of got lost in the shuffle of uh what happened in the summer well because it came out a week before barbenheimer yeah but and i also think it's a victim of its them moving it constantly because it's supposed to come out in 2022 and 2021, and they keep moving it and moving it and moving it, and then they, for some reason, decided to put it maybe arrogantly in front of these two other films, and kind of got lost in them. Um, but you should see it because Tom Cruise is awesome. Um, the intensity he brings to the part and the gravity that he brings to it, I think, is often overlooked. Because I don't think it's an easy part to play. Well, he's physically bringing the gravity, too, because he falls a lot. He sure does. <laughs> he proves Newton, Isaac Newton correct. Yeah, this is my top ten for like a lot of the year. And then ultimately, I had to come down to like what I did with Spider-Man. was like, it's, the, it's all set up. It's the first half of a larger story. So I was like, I'll make room for other things on my list. Yeah. Yeah, right. I, I contemplated it as well. The problem for me was I feel like it's a little too long and... It's not as good as Fallout was. And it's, I mean, it's definitely not good as, uh, um, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a movie you said earlier <laughs> that I didn't like, but it's not as good as that for sure. I, I refused to go see it on the grounds that it didn't have Henry Cavill with a mustache on it. <laughs> no, I just still get to see it. No. Awesome movie. Corinne. Nope, Brad, number four. Uh, yeah, my number four is repeat. It is Barbie. Nice. Nice. I got it. Finally, I've got one. Um, yeah, uh, obviously just a surprise, uh, fun, like a movie that has like an actual, it's not just like a Barbie commercial. It actually has something to say about humanity to it. Um, and yeah, it's really funny. It's uh, really creative, really surreal. Um, just a ton of fun. And, uh, we're, I'm sure we'll talk about it more later. Nice. Corinne, number three. My number three is so good that it made me want to wish on a star. I am Puss in Boots. Holy, holy. Hey, giant! 
see something cool? Gracias, the legend will never die. Puss and Boots, you died. I have nine lives. And how many times have you died already? Uh, no. Puss and Boots doesn't need a spotter. Watch. Watch. A cat always lands on his feet. Watch. You are down to your last life. Mama Luna's always on the lookout for a new lap cat. I am no lap cat. I am Pussy Boots. Not anymore. Oh. Meow. a person party pickles that's your party so this is where dignity goes to die you don't look like a pickles well you don't look like a cat <gasps> full disclosure i'm a therapy dog want to my belly hard buzz oh. they found me goldilocks and the three bears crying family make her talk Excuse me, my darling. We're looking for the legendary Puss in Boots. Have you perhaps seen him? What's a Puss in Boots? He is me! Oh! Uh, normally, I have a sore. It's like a whole thing, you know? Okay. Get that cat. Dead or alive will be just right. Bounty Hunters. Get it off, boss. I need your help. Whenever I team up with you, things go wrong. Cool! Another member of the team. I'm Puss's therapy dog. Definitely not. Finally. You need therapy. <laughs> oh, I have got to learn how to do that. Lives flashing before your eyes. Pray for mercy from Puss in Boots. <laughs> I don't trust you. Trust me. You gotta trust him. Look at those eyes. You call that cute? <gasps> and with the paws, am I doing it? Stop. You're gonna give yourself a hernia. My number three is Puss in Boots. Uh, did you say the boo last or boo words? <laughs> This is this movie is amazing. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was pretty good for 2022. It came out on Christmas, Ryan. And nobody I'm had sorry, it on I'm their sorry, list what, last year. What year. Did it come out? <laughs> I can't remember. Refresh my memory. What Christmas did it come out on? Uh yeah, I don't give a shit, okay? Nobody had this on their list so, last year. So we do this thing too for people listening at home that I mentioned that we pick where this film's going to end up on their list. I have some random animated film for Corinne, and I'm counting it. Sure. Very fair. <laughs> it's on my 2023 list, Corinne. <laughs> okay, see? There you go. Brad, don't be a nice guy. She cheated. <laughs> it's not a cheat. You can't be a nice I guy. I saw, this, I saw this movie like four times in the theater this year. Okay, cool. Came out in 2022. Anyways, I don't care. why is it on your list, Corinne? <sighs> oh, man. it's No one cares. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Corinne, tell us why you like it. I mean, was I the only one who saw it? I saw yeah, it. I haven't seen it, but I, it looks fun. I saw it. Yeah. yeah. It's it's amazing. This is a <laughs> sequel to Puss in Boots. Like, 
Who would have thought? It it's was, amazing compared to the Shrek universe, yes. The, the animation is just gorgeous. <laughs> Going back and looking at, like, Shrek 2 animation versus Crap. this is insane. It's, like, I'm fine if DreamWorks wants to keep this animation style for the rest of their stuff. Because this is gorgeous. The voice cast is phenomenal. The story is that, you know, Puss... Um, he dies in the opening sequence, and he, you know, because cats have nine lives, now he's down to his last life, and uh, he has to confront death and uh, go on a final adventure and, uh, you know, run into some old friends and make new ones along the way. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just a, like a really great fairy tale movie with a lot of fun, you know, good humor a lot of drama. The action in this is insane. Um, both the fight at the beginning and the fight at the end are so well done. I rewatched this last night while I was working, and I had to make sure I waited until that confrontation with the wolf was over before I started working, because I was like, the fight with the giant and the fight against the wolf are both so good, I cannot be distracted. Mm. And then, of course, I had to make sure I was done with work by the time they're at the wishing star and the wolf comes back in again and Jack Horner does all of his bullshit. Um, which, yeah, John Mulaney as Jack Horner, he does a great job. Um, just a fantastic movie. I had really a lot of fun with it in the winter because this was in theaters for, I think, like three or four months. Um, so I saw it several times. I made Jerry go see it with me because this was when... Creed 3 was in theaters, and he's like, let's go see Creed 3. And I was like, no, 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 you're going to come with me to see Puss in Boots. And he's like, ugh, fine. And then we came out of it, and he's like, yeah, that wasn't very good. And I'm like, what are you talking about, Jerry? And then later he's like, okay, yeah, I changed my mind. It's actually really good. Mm. Um, and then in the summer, my city where I live, they did um, like a movie in the park night with this movie, and they also had a Spanish dance troupe with it. Did oh they have gosh. the weird statues there, too? What? No, oh, I was no, talking in, about Golden. I don't know. It's in Wichita. I don't know. No. <laughs> weird ass um, statues in the middle of the sidewalk. That's Wichita. That's where I'm from. That's not where I live, Statue right? Statue capital <laughs> of the world. <laughs> but, no, that was a lot of fun to watch this in the park with everybody. Um, yeah. So, I just... It meant a lot to me this year, and... I think Brad's done this before, but I'll say it for myself, is that any of my top three could have been my number one. Um, but because I knew you guys would bitch at me if I made this number one, this was just my number three. So, yeah. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Eat your heart out, Disney. I also like how it's a story of uh, a guy getting his, his ego checked. <laughs> um, and then learning that the limitations on life are what make life special. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It was. That's a great message in 2022. I do. I do. I do think that. <laughs> we need that more movies like it. Number three. My number three is pretty explosive. This is a national emergency. Didn't need a charge. in a race against the Nazis. And I know what it means if the Nazis have a bomb. They have a 12-month head start. 18. How could you possibly know that? We've got one hope. 
All America's industrial might and scientific innovation connected here. Secret laboratory. Keep everyone there until it's done. Let's go recruit some scientists. Build a town, build it fast. If we don't let scientists bring their families, we'll never get the best. Why would we go to the middle of nowhere for who knows how long? Why? Why? How about because this is the most important thing to ever happen in the history of the world? You're the great improviser, but this... you can't do in your head. Are we saying there's a chance that when we push that button, we destroy the world? Chances are near zero. Near zero. What do you want from theory alone? Zero would be nice. This is a matter of life and death. But I can perform this miracle. World War II would be over. Our boys would come home. It's happening, isn't it? The world will remember this day. Our work here will ensure a peace mankind has never seen. Until somebody builds a bigger one. You are the man who gave them the power to destroy themselves. And the world is not prepared. to know what's next. Two, what's next? One. Yeah, my number three is Oppenheimer. Uh, this was my number one for a good chunk of the year until my re like reevaluating in my head like which really got to me more. Um, I ended up switching around my number two and number one and then another thing completely overtook those. But I am so, so delighted that a biopic, a three-hour biopic, made nearly a billion dollars at the box office. I, it's just a lovely victory to watch Christopher Nolan lap up and soak in. Uh, it's worth the three hours you put in to watching it in a movie theater. I think I was one of the few people in the episode, that, like one of the only people that like felt the, the big screen was justified for it. It is a larger-than-life story to me. The idea of what he has created and following his life, it lent itself to the big screen based on how he shot it, how he executed uh, the, 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 the perspectives he wanted to tell, uh, creating black and white IMAX film for it, and it looks fucking gorgeous throughout. Uh, it just There's a lot of things to love about this film. I think the thing that I loved the most was watching uh, two things. One specifically is Cillian Murphy's performance and getting such a nice uh, centerpiece to focus on him after so many years of being the reliable side character for Nolan. Uh, and this is the best Robert Downey Jr. performance I've seen in years. Uh, that's not discounting Iron Man. It's just he he started it in 2008. He's been going on since. 
this was the best one for me in a lot of years. Uh, and watching him play around with Louis Strauss as a character was very, very fascinating. Um, I do think that this film suffers from not having a perspective outside of these white guys. Uh, and that is a shame. But I also understand that it, the, the story he was trying to tell was, and the perspective he was trying to tell it with wasn't strictly focused in that arena. But I do wish we had dealt with that a little bit more as a, as a consequence and how Oppenheimer himself would have seen it. Um, but overall, it's, it's a pretty damn solid biopic that uh, and those are not always easy to achieve. It takes a lot to get those right. So, yeah, number three, Oppenheimer. Fantastic film. Yep. I think Robert Downey Jr. should win the Oscar for this one. It's either him or Ryan Gosling. I don't care. I'll be happy either way. <laughs> uh, my number three is a third part of a film series. I'm going to tell you something. I'm Star-Lord. I formed the Guardians. Met a girl, fell in love. That girl died, but then she came back. Came back a total dick. Oh please! He left out some important information, but that is the gist of it. My sacred mission is to create the perfect society. He didn't want to make things perfect. He just hated things the way they are. I want you all to know that I'm grateful to fight beside my friends. Incinerate them. searching for a family until we found each other are you ready for one last ride we'll all fly away together into the forever and beautiful sky was that you were in love with it sounds more like her her do not bring me into this <laughs> knock it off what you just never noticed how black your eyes were they were replaced by my father as a method of torture he he picked a pretty set my number three and brad's number three is guardians of the galaxy volume three which i actually think is the best guardians of the galaxy movie uh because I, I think it's a great culmination of everything that's come before, and it allows not necessarily the leader of the Guardians, Star-Lord, it gives the secondary characters opportunities to be, or have their story told, and Rocket's story just, you know, tugged the heartstrings on me, and the high evolutionary villain 
as a villain is very fascinating. Um, and his willingness to kill billions of people in search for perfection is, um, I think a terrifying prospect for a villain and the movie's just cool. I mean, it looks great. The acting in it's great. The soundtrack is awesome. Um, yeah, I, I, I love this movie. I love this movie, I guess is a better way to say it. Yeah, it's it's tricky to make a successful third movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one stuck the landing. Like you said, gives uh, characters who aren't Star-Lord a chance to tell their story and uh, make an impact. And uh, yeah, uh, High Evolutionary is a just bonkers, uh, fun villain to watch. Um, and yeah, the Rocket story is just so tragic. Um, it really gets to you. And uh, it's, uh, you know, they, they set up the movie thinking that you're going to go in and watch all your favorite <laughs> characters get wasted. And uh, uh, that's not the case. It's a, it's a pretty good send off and uh, lead into the next iteration of whatever the, that Guardians troop is going to be. Yeah, because it's, it's cool because, you know, it's one of those things. That's why I love Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, besides Spider-Man being in it, it, it it's an origin story for Spider-Man. But at the end, he's who Spider-Man is. And in in Volume 3, the Guardians go their separate ways. And it might be the end of the Guardians as we know them. But it's not the end of their story. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that we can come back in and see where we're at. And it, it makes you think, too, the film as it plays out of what's important to us and what we've missed in life. Mm-hmm. And just... It's just wonderfully done. It's, um, yeah, like I said, it's one of my favorite movies of the year. It's my favorite Guardians movie. And I think as a whole, the trilogy is uh, really great. I only had one issue with it, which is I didn't like the, like them really thinking that we were going to kill Star-Lord. I was like, <laughs> I don't think you have the balls to do that. <laughs> don't even bother showing it. But apart from that, yeah, it's, it's a fantastic Marvel film. It's also one of those movies that was like a huge hit, but you forgot about it. Yep. Yeah. Because it came out in yeah. February. Um, well, not, so. no, it came out in May. No? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. May 5th, I think. <laughs> the one this year? Yeah, it came out in May. Fine. <laughs> Ant-Man Quantumania came out in February. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But that's what I mean. Like, this movie came out in May, but thing was so overshadowed as the summer went on, and because mm-hmm. Barbenheimer just overtook everything, that you forget that earlier in the year there was also great films, too. Well, if I remember right, I think the opening weekend, it didn't do that well. Like, it underperformed, at least by Marvel standards. But and then it, it gained ground over, I think May was pr- pretty dry up until, like, maybe... That's pretty much how Like, what at happened. the end of the month, and then June, it was just, like, a whole slog of movies came in. Yeah, but, you know, to me, though, uh, the box office is whatever. It, did you tell a compelling story, and is the movie good? That's what I care about. And I think guardians this year for all the, the Marvel stuff that came out was the most successful mm-hmm. at telling the story that it needed to tell. Yeah. Um, it was also the most financially successful superhero movie of the year. And I think one of only two that actually turned a yeah, profit. Yeah, Cause it's, it's easily the best superhero movie of the year. And, and I enjoyed quantum mania, Spider-Man across the, um, across the spider verse made money. <laughs> um, and um, you know the Marvels, like they're fun movies, but 
they didn't have the reach, emotional impact. Yeah, yeah, they didn't reach the level of this one, in my opinion. Well, we'll never know about the Marvels because they butchered her movie. So, <laughs> are we getting a steelbook for that? <laughs> I, well, I was seeing that st- uh, Walmart's starting to get the. Uh, the still books. Yeah. What movie's coming out that's a still book exclusive there? I forget, but it's some movie. I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, Corinne, number two. My number two is a repeat. My number two is Barbie. Nice. Yeah, not my number one. We'll get to it. Uh, I'm really sad we didn't get to talk about this on the podcast. Like, we didn't have a dedicated episode for it. Because I just had an absolute blast with this movie. I saw it four times in the theaters with three different friends, like one each time, you know. Um, I went to a special early screening of it with my friend Krista. That's where we got these little I Heart Barbie pins at. And, uh, oh my gosh, everybody was dressed up in costumes. Everybody was laughing and hanging out. It was a great time. And I remember we left the theater and we saw some some other gals who had been at the preview and I just waved to them across the street and I was like, hi, Barbie. (laughs) Hi, Barbie. Um, Just like such great feminine energy that came out of this movie and seeing everyone dressed up at the theater and just like kind of going back and reminiscing on their childhoods and like all the Barbie things that they had growing up. And of course, I'm the oldest of three girls, so we had a ton of Barbies in our house. I think I had a Barbie car at one point, like one of those like drivable ones. Um, we had a Barbie dream house. We had everything. Oh, uh, yeah. A lot of fun memories came back when I watched this movie, especially like the part where they're trying to put her in the box and just seeing like those little plastic tabs, the twist ties. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, childhood memory unlocked. Um, I rewatched this the other night and the first 20 minutes I'd say are perfect. Some of the best filmmaking I've ever seen. It does take a bit of a dip for me when they go to the real world, and especially with Will Ferrell's character. Even when I saw it in the theater, I could tell, like, you know, instant downgrade. And it's not like I hate Will Ferrell, but I don't know, just something about maybe it was just like the Mattel thing and just being like too tongue in cheek with it, too cutesy. And I'm like, you guys are a multi billion dollar corporation. You don't have to, like, we had a perfect movie, and then it's like, oh, we got to sideline it for this bullshit. I don't know. It just, like, maybe it took too long or it took away from the focus too much. But, I mean, it, it does come back at the end. The whole thing with, like, Ken bringing the patriarchy to Barbie land. And, like, Zach was saying earlier in the line about, um, you know, once I found out the patriarchy wasn't about horses, I lost interest. <laughs> and I'm horses like, are just men extenders. <laughs> <laughs> I love both the uh, the Godfather joke and the yeah. Snyderverse jokes in yeah. there. Oh, man. Um, yeah. Just, like, the whole Ken thinking about the patriarchy like that. I'm like, it's such a, like, 10-year-old girl way to think about the patriarchy as well. It's like, he is, after all, a girl's toy. So it's like, man, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, uh, he's just Ken? Well, <laughs> He's you know. not a girl's toy. <laughs> well, he is. Anywhere else he'd be a 10. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I love the musical yeah. number. It's just like, yeah. In any other movie, if that was not a musical... It's like, we're going to take three minutes and we're just going to let this random, well, not random, we're going to let this character have like a power ballad moment. We're going to throw him into a Gene Kelly, like vague aesthetic, like seeing yeah. the black shirts. Yeah. Yeah. It's like no other movie could probably have walked me into that and paid it off the way that this movie does. Yeah. It's, they, they better do that at the Oscars. Oh, oh my gosh. They yeah. better. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. 
I really wanted to talk about this movie a lot with you guys, but I'll have to settle for a film explosion. But anyway, my number two, Barbie. Zach, number two. My number two is also Barbie. Um, <laughs> Tag team. This, uh, yeah, no, uh, yeah, I, uh, I knew I was going to have fun with the film. The trailer had sold me. I like Greta Gerwig. Um, uh, Ryan Gosling as Ken. It already sounded like a funny proposition. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, But then I... Sublime. I, I, <laughs> um, but then a couple of things happened throughout the film that just like really struck me. And we had just come out of Oppenheimer, by the way. We did the, we did the right thing where we started with Oppenheimer and then we ended the night positively with Barbie. Oh, my God. Um, brag much? Yeah. Oh, um, I forgot to mention that when – I think it might have been the second time I went and saw Barbie, but Oppenheimer was playing in the theater next door. Yeah, you did mention that. Either. And I think at one point – I think it was during Gloria's monologue, you could hear the bomb going off in the other theater. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, uh, the – the, you mentioned the monologue. I'll, I'll, well, I'll just like lead with that. Uh, if like I love film, I love going to the movie theaters. I like embracing cinema in this communal environment. I have never been in a movie theater in my life and heard any crowd applaud a monologue, a fucking monologue, because like the closest I would get to that experience is on your left in Endgame when all the mm. Marvel heroes show up. For me, Gloria's monologue is a more powerful applause moment because it is so unexpected. Like, Avengers is sort of set up to give you that applause moment. It's, it's the culmination of so much. This is just a revelation through a film that is about fucking Barbie. <laughs> Oh, uh, when you get right down to it. And I love that Wait, this is about film's... fucking Barbie. No, 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 <laughs> I no, thought no. The same that's, thing, another, right? that's another film out there somewhere. Um, no, wow. it, it is I'm like the wrong theater. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I told you just to look at the, look at the listings, Ryan, look at the listings. <laughs> Zach, um, I know the song says undress her everywhere, but please do not. No, 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 no. Uh, uh, the, no, the, the movie is a, allowed to be as offbeat and, ill-guided in the way you would do a toy movie as possible and I love that this film was allowed to be the thing it needed to be to succeed Uh, Margot Robbie is fantastic in this film I think everybody has been like talking either Gloria's monologue Ryan Gosling's performance I really think a good chunk of I mean not even a good chunk like we need to also acknowledge like Margot Robbie without her performance nailing Barbie like all these mm-hmm. side performances don't work um, and I mean she goes on such a, a yeah, tremendous this, arc of yeah. just you know so she Margo, starts out oh you, perfect you Barbie did ya <laughs> this perfect doll and then by the end of the movie <laughs> she's human with, yeah. yeah and and I think that and like and having Rhea Perlman playing the founder of Patel and the, or the founder of Barbie and also acknowledging the fact that like now nah, she was she was into some shady shit with the IRS mm-hmm. uh, that that whole like that whole little bit like it works very well. The idea of Barbie meeting God is like a fucking fantastical notion in a PG-13 movie set at the summer. Um, and I, I will say, I, I push back on one of your notes. I like the Mattel bit. Uh, not because I approve of them giving the corporate overlords of Mattel a seat at the table. 
I appreciate the way they just treated him like a bunch of silly assholes with Will Ferrell giving probably one of the best performances he's given in a movie in a while uh, in terms of just being there to support the story without intruding too much. It's kind of like Marshall Will and Holly in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. His role in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back reminds me of this where he's there to be funny, he's there to be intrusive and be the get after them, but he subverts it as like, I'm not like out to take over the world. I'm just here to make sure we keep the Barbie world stable, like in some form or fashion. Like shame on you, executive yeah. number two. I got into this business to protect <laughs> little girls and their dreams in the least creepy yeah. way possible. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, just the way he's playing with drumsticks in the, in the opening scene, he said, it's really funny. Um, but yeah, and I, uh, I think that it, the musical sequences, the set design, the production design. It's just it's just a solid film, and I rewatched it recently, and I, I I love how there's jokes that were hidden in there that I didn't notice the first time because it was such a raucous event when I saw it. But my favorite new discovery joke is Alan going like, "Nobody's gonna care if Alan disappears." You know all those guys from In Sync that went out there, all Alan. Yeah, even him. <laughs> was, I got a good chuckle out of that. Um, and that's another thing, giving Michael Sarah side characters like this and him just having fun and soaking in the energy all in favor of that so, also that pride and prejudice joke yeah my theater howled when yeah. that happened yeah and, I, and that's the thing like Greta Gerwig's films like I loved Lady Bird and Little Women but they didn't speak to me strictly or directly and Barbie didn't speak to me be, strictly because of the way it spoke about the patriarchy and men's health men's mental health it, it's the whole message in general it's the way feminism operates and the way that Gloria's monologue really like nails down. I'm not going to say it's perfect. I don't even know if it's perfect. I have to learn from other perspectives if there are any issues with this film from a feminist point of view. But that monologue is so fucking powerful because it just like knocks down the list and gives America Ferreira this solid moment. Like in another world where, where there wasn't such buzz around everything else in the, in the, in the, Cinematic Universe, I would be putting her up for supporting actress because she is just that solid. So, yeah, Barbie, number two, fantastic. Yeah, even though Oppenheimer was not on my list, I really appreciated Barbenheimer for bringing so many people into the cinema. Mm -hmm. I have never seen the theater that packed, at least not since Endgame. Yeah. And everybody was, like, in costumes, and everybody was having a great time. So, well, maybe not the people in Oppenheimer, but that's just because of the subject matter, not because it's a bad movie. So, kicking it over to you, Ryan. Uh, number, my second favorite film of the year is one when I saw the trailer, I really, really wanted to see this movie. And it's right up my alley in uh, the humor department. And it's brilliant. Could the ugly, untalented gays please report to the principal's office? Guess that's you guys. Tonight is our night. We're getting the cooch. I'm going to talk to Brittany. You can say hi to Isabel. What would I say? Hey, girl, how's your boyfriend? How's his penis? I'm going to expel you both for committing a crime against Jeff. Get out of the car. You can't tell me what to do. Get out of the freaking car. We were just practicing for our self-defense club. So it's like a fight club? Yes. Just stay in your lane until you're munching Beaver at Wesleyan. Yes, sir. What's your plan here? Jeff is psychotic, and they're picking on the weak and defenseless. So we teach a bunch of girls how to defend themselves. They are grateful to us. Adrenaline is flowing. Next thing you know, Isabel and Brittany are kissing us on the mouth. 
can be our club advisor. You know, my mom did say I need to pick up a hobby. Welcome to our fucking fight club. Let's get it popping in this motherfucker. To have a safe space like this, it means a lot to people. I'm gonna finally reverse stalk my stalker. Yeah, I'll be able to kill my stepdad. Awesome. It seems so supportive of women, especially the hot ones. Men need therapy. Are you cheating on me? No. I literally saw you yesterday. Show nerd, I fucked your mom. We are literally at the bottom. We have nowhere to go but up. Your club is over. They deserve a shot at showing everybody how fucking cool they are. Let's go fuck up some football players. I want that trophy. You created a fight club to get some coochie. You don't even know how to work that thing. I know y'all ain't. Tickling the pearl. I just don't know if you're supposed to be talking to us like that, just like as a teacher. Uh, mine and Brad's number two is Bottoms. Yeah. Which is probably the move. It definitely is the movie I laughed the most at this year. Because um, like the trailer paints it as this high school comedy, which it is. But there's also this really great subverse humor throughout of it throughout the film the, the football players always wear their shoulder pads um they say in the trailer like i fucked your mom nerd and he really does and she finds out and he comes out wearing a jock strap and his shoulder pads um <laughs> they keep one of the football players in a cage in the back of the room yeah <laughs> just, and they're randomly when the girls are on the bleachers the football players are just doing these random moves in the background it's really silly <laughs> the mascot has a huge dog <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's i i didn't expect it to be like that silly yeah um it's like I don't know, like naked gun basketball silly. Yeah. But it has a great message about um, who you are at that particular moment in your life and how you can grow as a person. Um, But it's wrapped around this. You're right. This naked gun basketball kind of um, setup where they keep on talking about the big game at the end of the year. And it's literally them trying to kill each other while they're playing football. (laughs) (laughs) There's like this, I don't know, like, 90 year old rivalry they keep yeah. referring to it's yeah them murdering the other team yeah it's literally them murdering the other team um and the two leads are amazing in it um yeah i i this is a film that i keep my fingers crossed that there's going to be a blu-ray and it can find a bigger audience um because it kind of got lost in the shuffle and it's it's freaking brilliant um i saw it twice in theaters yeah, I think I got four times. Because when you watch it the first time, you miss some of the jokes. And you go back, and there's little clever lines that you've missed and little winks and stuff in the background. No Blu-ray for it at all? No. Oh, shit. So I hope. Shout Select. Listen to me. <laughs> Release it. Yep. So, yeah, my number two is Bottoms, and so is yeah. Brad. It's probably my number one movie of the year, really, objectively. <laughs> <laughs> but given this other movie came out this year, it had to be my number uh, one. But Originally, the, your number one was going to be my number 10, but I didn't want to do that to you. Wow, make me feel bad. Yeah, I, I hope. <laughs> I do. I feel bad. <laughs> you shouldn't. Um, yeah. Yeah, Bottoms, it's a ton of fun. Like, yep. 
if <laughs> I would go see it in theaters more times if I could. Totally. It's such a blast. You can't go wrong. So question, Ryan. Yep. Brad, would I like this movie? No. No. <laughs> the humor's too gross for you. Okay. Fair. I mean, I think it's really great. And Brad thinks it's really great. But you know what's funny is I told my mom to go see it. My mom loved it. So um, it's true. They, they at the Alamo for the second week they're showing some anime before it. It's I don't know like a little like short film. And my mom when she got back she said first I didn't know what you were sending me to, but Bottoms was hilarious, <laughs> which was funny because I that's a weird thing to tell my mom to go see that this movie. But I think it's funny enough and it's weird enough that. I mean, I liked it. I mean, I would say try it. Yeah. I wouldn't say not try I'm it. I'm trying to think of like another modern comedy, like, because we keep saying like really old stuff. Yeah, but I like, mean, Super Bad is. Yeah, probably Super Bad is the closest. Because, yeah, I think yeah. email on the episode we did said, it's yeah. like Clerks and Super Bad, but yeah, for gay women. Yeah. It's a little sillier than like Super Bad. Um, yeah. But it has the same vibe where it's two friends that like love each other and um, have great chemistry and they're funny with one another. Nice. Corinne, number one. Um, my number one. Well, I mean, it probably would have been Barbie, but the fact that this movie just exists, it automatically gets number one. Kind of like Ryan with you and any Spider-Man movie, it has to be your number one. So this had to be my number one. So here it is. Mahito. So... Mother! Have a seat. It's this way, Mahito. A lot of strange things happen in this place. Please join us. I just hope he stays safe. Save me. Save me, Mahito! What exactly are you? Your mother. She's awaiting your rescue. I'll be your guide. What is this place? This world is filled with the dead. I know it's a lie, but I have to see. I'm looking for someone. We must protect this world ourselves. Go back! Now! Marjo! Marjo! You and I aren't friends or allies, kid. Don't let go, no matter what. Ready? <sighs> you see this world? A gray heron once told me that all gray herons are liars. So is that the truth or a lie? A the lie. Truth. <laughs> I think we have to be a lie too. Miyazaki's been working on this movie for seven or eight years. It's been in production since July 2016, work, I think. Work. We are slaves. <laughs> Seriously, like the fact that it took them this long to make the film and they were hand drawing it it took them you know like three and a half years to do like a third of the movie i forget all the what i read about it but it's insane the amount of work that they put into this movie and some of it is autobiographical i think it's his most autobiographical story yet 
and it's it's challenging it it's not um you know straightforward the way a lot of his others are because i think that he realizes his audience has grown up and he doesn't necessarily need to make films for children or for young people and i mean he's old enough now he's like i'm just gonna make a movie for me and if the people like it great and if not also great but at least in Japan, this was really well received, and it was number one at the box office domestically when it came out. Um, probably because there wasn't anything else going on that week, but um, yeah, it's just a really challenging film. It, I, it it warrants repeat viewings. It's the story of a boy whose mother dies in World War II in Japan, mm-hmm. and he goes to live with his. Um, yeah, that's really weird. His aunt, who is also now his stepmom. Um, and he encounters this weird kind of family secret with this tower, which he finds out is kind of like a portal to another world. And it is, it does have like a lot of those classic Miyazaki elements, fantastical elements. And there are, I think a few things that he throws in there of like, this is a direct reference to another film I've made, but maybe I'm also just projecting, but, um, just, what the, are the little white things that are pouring out of the... The Wada Wada? That's what they're what, called. What's a Wada Wada? Um, I want to know. They are... Well, they're just kind of like the cutesy things of the movie. They're not in it that much. Um, what's but their purpose? They're supposed to be the souls of the children who haven't been born yet. So they're sperm? <laughs> no. I mean, they kind of look like it. I get it. Sure. I get, I get the symbolism. I'm on to you, Miyazaki. Okay. <laughs> No, I think they're just kind of like... Just the, one more film and you can replicate his no, success like, formula. And his next film is going to be these little like pink eight, like circles running around. And then they meet the Wada Wadas and those are the Ega Egas. Well, you know how they have the soot sprites and Spirited Away? Mm-hmm. It's a similar thing here. They're mm-hmm. in it very briefly. And the English voice cast is amazing. Zach and I were talking during the trailer of Robert Pattinson, who is the Blue Heron. You would never know it was him. Um, just the fact that he does great work on this. But I think Florence Pugh, like her performance is really underrated because there are a couple of lines where I can tell it's her, but for the most part, I had no idea. And I think she plays both the older version and the younger version of her character. So props to her for that. Can you tell us why Miyazaki hates birds so much? He really does hate birds in this movie. <laughs> this is like that uh, The Suicide Squad movie where everybody was like, why do you hate birds so much, guy? And then... Same thing in this movie, yeah. There's like three different types of birds, and you kind of hate all of them at one point in the film. I don't know. I really hate parakeets and pelicans now, I can tell you that. He and uh, Wes Anderson should team up about uh, f- uh, about a film about two kids who fight birds and dogs. <laughs> but just given that it's set during World War II, and what? it's made by a filmmaker who is older and who might not be around for a super long time, just the idea of legacy and building a world that you want to leave behind. It's, it feels very poignant. And I'm not saying it's perfect, but at least that last bit always gets me of, you know, just the decision that gets made at the very end of the film of how this world will or will not continue. Um, and you just you feel really emotional about it, or at least I did. So, yeah, Did my you feel emotional one. about it, Brad? Mm-hmm. <laughs> What? No. It's just I'm just listening to 
how you would describe it and how Brad described it. Because I, I, on an episode, Brad talked about it, and it's it's a lot different. <laughs> I, I missed that. Yeah. <laughs> admittedly, I don't know what's going on for a good chunk of the film, but that's okay. I'm just along for the ride. Like, this is a guy who's earned a movie like this. It's like you've built up enough goodwill that you just get to tell me your story, and I just get to listen and watch. So, yeah, my number one, The Boy and the Heron. You've earned a free pass to make whatever nonsense you want. <laughs> I mean, and seriously. I will. They could have put out a movie with paint drying, and I would have bought a ticket to it. So I just imagine Hayao Miyazaki, but with his voice coming through. Your voice coming through his mouth. <laughs> a side note, the Japanese title is How Do You Live, or How Will You Live, or something like that. So, it's, yeah. I don't know why they chose How a different I English title. I without you. I want to know. <laughs> Zach, number one. All right. Uh, my number one is the second Larry Fessenden movie on my list. And um, I'm, off, I'm uh, obligated to say this by the rules of film Twitter. It is cinema. You know, you got, you got nice color skin. What color would you say that is? My color. The Osage. They have the worst land possible. But they outsmarted everybody. The land had oil on it. Black gold. Money flows freely here now. I do love that money, sir. <laughs> This wealth should come to us. Their time is over. It's just going to be another tragedy. When this money started coming, we should have known it came with something else. They're like buzzards circling our people. We're still warriors. to kill these white men who killed my family. I need you here. I am right here. You've got to take back control of your home. I was uh, sent down from Washington, D.C. to see about these murders. See what about them? See who's doing it. America to make all this go away. You know they don't happen anymore. Uh, yeah, my number one is Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, I, I I know that I love Martin Scorsese, but this wasn't guaranteed to be my number one. In fact, it wasn't for a minute. It was uh, it was about like number three, number four, or something like that. Uh, but there are several reasons why, in spite of issues that I have with the film, that it went this high. 
um, a lot of which were brought up during our review of it. Uh, I think the big one is the uh, the the notion of being able to have this three and a half hour canvas to tell the st- to tell a Western story under these specific circumstances in a way that most cis white male directors cannot do properly or they tried admirably but just don't work well in retrospect. Um, like I think I said it on the episode, but I think that this is a far better film than say Dances with Wolves or Last of the Mohicans in terms of trying to tell a native story through a white person's lens. Uh, now that being said, it's still got its issues. It still lacks a lot of performance time from Lily Gladstone, but each moment she's in the film, she is justifying that best actress Oscar she's going to get in the couple months. Um, I think that the way they have unfolded this crime story was incredibly detailed and incredibly enticing and engaging for me. Uh, I appreciated every performance all around. Uh, I think this is the scariest Robert De Niro's been in a movie in a long ass time. Uh, he is unsettling and is unnerving. I'm like, I, he, and he does a lot to to lull you in in places without you fully realizing it. And uh, I think that this ensemble cast is handled very well from the smallest performance by like Brendan Fraser up on to Leo's performance is fantastic. But I think the reason this sticks with me and why it shot up to number one ultimately is obviously from aesthetic reasons, that final scene in the radio station appeals to me. I think what spoke to me even more is something I said in the review, which is at the end of the day, the story of the Osage murders were relegated to bite-sized content on a radio program or in a movie like the FBI story with James Stewart. This was not acknowledged in any way, shape, or form. And unfortunately, we live in a world where Oklahoma still refuses to tell this fucking story. And it's kind of irresponsible for any form of government uh, program like a school to not educate its children about its history, good and bad. Uh, Thankfully, cinema is around to give you something, and then you can go and research it on your own. I I will say I was at Barnes & Noble a couple weeks ago, Mm -hmm. and this book was in the children's section. Good. And I go, whoa. Good. All right. Good. Yep. Do that. Yeah, it needs to happen because this movie shouldn't uh, have a tag like that where it's like, oh, and everybody knew about the story. Like everybody should have known about this and Mm -hmm. stuff should have changed. Um, I understand why you did not like Martin Scorsese saying what he says at the end of the movie. Uh, I looked at it from a director's point of view of like it's the director taking responsibility for, in a weird way, an entire culture who relegated this story to a a tabloid Mm -hmm. or a of fun fact trivia um, and it's just very very devastating uh, by the end of it but it is an incredibly immense saga I know it's long I know it's bloated and yes maybe that budget could have been lower but I don't think I would change anything about the film the, the film came out the way it needed to uh, regardless of whose perspective it's coming from so yeah number yeah, one yeah, I don't mind the fun. length as long as the story they're telling is interesting and it is. Yeah. Um, it, that that moment just took me out of the movie. Yeah. Like I, I just, to me, it's you look at it as one way. I look at it as 
I'm putting myself in the movie to deliver this important part when he should have just had an actor do it. And but. I completely like you should have had Larry Fessenden to do it yeah, realistically. Exactly. But like I uh, or Jack, what, I was like Jack White's in it. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but like I, uh, that's the way I look at it as a Scorsese fan. I understand why it's technically self-serving and doesn't work and it can take you out of the film. But thankfully, it's right before the movie goes to credits, so mm-hmm. didn't squander at all. But yeah, number one, Killers of the Flower Moon. Nice. Unfortunately, I have to go, guys. Okay. I love you all. Yep. No worries. Bye. Uh, my number one, uh, Brad. You didn't have the trailer up there for Aquaman. <laughs> the fuck, man! Did you give me an old list? Oh, dude, I did. I sent it before I saw Aquaman. Oh man, guy. Um, <laughs> my number one, obviously, is Spider Man. I. To yeah. me. <laughs> Um, I push back on a little bit of the, the it's the middle part. I actually do think it tells a complete story, um, but people are looking at the wrong story. I think it tells Gwen Stacy's story and about her struggles with relating to her father and what she's going through. And I personally, because I love uh, the spider Gwen character as she has what's really cool about this film is that character spun out of a offshoot comic, Edge of the Spider-Verse, and now she stars in her own series, and she's recognizable all over the world, and she's just a cool character, and it grows so much from the Gwen Stacy that I love, which is in Peter Parker proper, and this makes her have such a different story, and I love that the opening 20 minutes is her, and it's her dealing with the fallout with her father and the conflicting stories they have. And it's so beautifully animated when they're, when she comes back towards the end of the film and is talking to her father and it's all watercolors in the background. And as she's telling the story to her dad, it starts coming back together. Um, there's something to be said about the artistry in it. Um, and, and miles journey is, is fascinating too. You know, there's the, interesting to make Miguel O'Hara the villain um, because of a tragedy that he endured. And there is that moment where he's chasing him and they're on the train and it, it like the music and the animation and the performances, you get so wrapped up in them. Um, and, and miles basically telling him that I don't have to accept letting my father die. I, I think is really important because that's who Spider-Man is. There's no way Spider-Man's going to sit on the sidelines and let it happen. And I think that's where Miguel O'Hara lost his way. Um, and that, like, if I love the movie and I don't like picking apart movies that I love. If I had one complaint, it would be that is I, I don't imagine Peter Parker going along with this plan to stop miles. That's my only like quibble, but that's just because I'm a Peter Parker purist. And, um, it's just like in the comics when he made a deal with the devil to save aunt may, it it just seems too convenient for him as a character. And I just like, it doesn't stick with me. Um, and more so because it's miles story. So the the movie is incredible. And I, I, I can't wait for the next one to come out and they keep on saying this year, but I don't think it's going to. So 
maybe in December. <laughs> but yeah, Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. It's a beautiful movie. I rewatched it like twice this week. And they made the spot scary in it, which he's a joke. He's literally in the Legion of Losers in the Spider-Man comics. So, you know, good on them. <laughs> Brad, number one. I'll never guess. <laughs> yeah, my number one is the animated masterpiece of the year. <laughs> like my head. Just stop talking. You're ruining my concentration. You're fine. Chill. He's gonna die. Yeah. Ah. Ah. Did you hear that? What was that? Well, not that we can do. You guys want to grab pizza? What the heck are those things? Those look like little Shreks to me. Oh, we've prepared our whole lives for this. Oh my god! Oh my I'm gonna be sick. Leo, what happened? Oh Is Donnie it's bleeding? It was an accident. You watch out! So you were baby turtles who made contact with mystery goo. Well, we prefer the term ooze, but yeah. It's like more like, it's just nicer. It, it, it so. rolls off the tongue better, yeah. Ooze. Ooze. It's nice, right? Ooze. It's ooze. So yeah, shocking no one. My number one is Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Uh, Exactly. Uh, like I said, Bottom's probably objectively my favorite movie of the year. Well, it's uh, the movie you saw most in the theater this year, right? the movie I saw the most. How many times? Five? Eight. Eight. But yeah. it's always hard, uh, coming from someone who loves Spider-Man. Like, I think Spider-Man is the best movie of the year, but also when we did, you know, 2014 and Amazing Spider-Man 2 was the best movie of the year. Is it? I mean, <laughs> no. But it's hard to look at it, you know. Yeah, like I, yeah, I really just put this here because it just felt like spiritually it has to mm -hmm. be there. Um, but it's still a great movie. Uh, oh yeah, the animation is a, in a year where we're getting just tons of great animation. Um, you know, you've got this thirty-five-year-old franchise uh, that has had dozens of animation iterations to it. Um, they still found a way to make a, a different version that's fun and fresh and is clearly connected with a new generation of uh, turtle fans like your, your your son. Yeah, yeah. My boy loved the movie because we went to the premiere of it at the Alamo. Yep. And he was just so excited to see it. And it was one of those ones because every once in a while, Kellen tells me he sees trailers and he wants to see a movie. And this is the one he was like counting down. He said, he'd say, Daddy, next week we get to see Ninja Turtles, right? And I said, Aww. he's even calling them Ninja Turtles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's cool that they uh, like went with this style. It's, uh, you know, like, you know, they embrace the teenage aspect and the, the art style reflects that it's like, you know, teenagers drawing inside their textbooks, like scribbles, like uh, Shazam. At the end of Shazam, all the mm -hmm. drawings of the superheroes, they kind of turn that into this. And um, 
yeah, it's interesting to like <laughs> see people like, oh, I don't want to watch it because it looks gross and stuff. And uh, there's uh, some Turtle fans who are put off by like some of the reimaginings. And it's like, mm. you're not really an Ninja Turtles fan unless you understand that like Eastman and Laird since the beginning like have been about reimagining these well, characters. That, and it's, it, yeah, I, I'm totally down. It, well, you know, because you can't. In this kind of world, you can't look at it that way. Because, I mean, I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. How many different iterations are there of Spider-Man? Get the core of the characters right, then everything else will take care of itself. And I think that's the most important thing. Yeah. And the core of the characters, like, they do deviate a lot from, like, you know, Bebop and Rocksteady. Like, they're kind of henchmen, but by the end, by the end they're friends with the Turtles yeah. and uh, all those villains. Like, Scumbug was, a like... Um, an exterminator mutant guy is an action figure mm-hmm. and now he's like splinter's girlfriend <laughs> uh so they like they're really uh, swung for the fences on some things but i think it's all in good fun I, cool. I think it's just like a cool new interpretation but as, of, but as a huge fan it has to be cool too where they don't focus on shredder it's <laughs> like kind of a different story you know well there's a part of me that's like i really want to see like the oh, mirage sure. rated r book with shredder in it but yeah if, if you really follow turtles shredder is only like in like three original comic books <laughs> yeah because uh, he like dies every time, so you know they tease at the end of this movie that he's coming back for the the sequel. But um, yeah, it's it's uh, cool they were able to do something else that wasn't because they, they in the like the 2007 Turtles movie they fir- flirted with like just random monsters and like mm-hmm. an old rich guy that was like pulling the strings. And uh, uh, Turtles Three, it's uh, you know ancient Japanese warlords. And- it does have one of my favorite long running jokes throughout a movie about them getting sucked to try. Yeah. Getting milked. <laughs> You're getting milked. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That actually happens. You think it's just like initially yeah. just like a one-off joke yeah, and then actually has a, a callback. Yeah. About an overprotective father. Yeah. And it's great. Yeah. Jackie Chan is splinters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a blast. And yeah, they have that cardboard cutout singing like, who's the best Chris? <laughs> yeah. I got you human friends. Um, yeah. Good stuff. Tons of fun. Yeah, I can't wait to see the sequel. Obviously, there's going to be a TV show in this style that I'll be catching. And um, yeah. Nice. We've come to the end. Yeah, I guess we got to dig into some other people's lists, huh? Yeah. I, uh, Carol, of course, has sent us a list. She's really concerned because she says it's not one of her best lists, but it's kind of a fun list. Um, so she says, Happy New Year, real nerds. We saw 33 movies in 2023, Cowards. and there are a few more that I would still like to see. Oh, how I love, hate this. And once again, I'm pulling this list together at the last minute, partly be because making a top 10 list is always difficult for me, and partly because I'm recovering from the flu and my brain isn't at 100%. My wife told me the flu this year is really bad, so nice. make sure you get your shot. Um, therefore, I'm going to cheat big time and not even try to write or put them in order. Oppenheimer is not on my top 10 list. I would love to discuss this movie with you, but there's no way I can begin to write about all the issues I have. Shaking my head. And you really should be careful, Carol, because the film bros will come after you if you dare (laughs) criticize it. Did only Zach have it on his list? Yep. Yep. Wow, that was a shock. Um, So, which is cool. So she has them broken down into categories. So she's love of uh, Hercule Poirot, A Haunting in Venice, which I heard is actually pretty good. I keep needing to watch it. Me too. It's It's on on Disney+. Plus. It's on Hulu. Yeah. It's on one of the Disney things I have. NASA, A Million Miles Away. In her fun category, she has Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, and the Marvels. Action, she has Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1. Quirky, she has Asteroid City. 
and a great movie no one has heard about a good person num <laughs> yeah i'm trying to think um number one look you got me thinking like i don't think i've heard of that i think i have i saw over 170 movies that don't i can't yeah. even give a trailer for that uh number one for carol is barbie i'm sure that you've already said all the things i would say how fun clever and deep this story is one thing i would add comes because of my age and experience with barbie the year Barbie came out, I was six and my sister was 12. I remember stopping at a downtown Cincinnati department store on our way to my grandparents' farm for the weekend. Daddy dropped us off in front of the store and we ran in and bought two of the first Barbie dolls in the black and white swimsuit. I'm not sure why they decided to do something so special that day, but it's the beginning of something very important in my life. This movie is so much fun and a sweet reminder of my childhood. Sorry for such a lame list. I look forward to listening. Love you, Carol. Actually, I, I think, think your number lame. one is a great story. That is a great story. Um, and how it connects with everybody. Um, and I mean, we just talked about why we like Ninja Turtles and Spider-Man. There's things that are unlocked in your mind and your memory that you can't help but love. And that's that's awesome. So thank you, Carol, as always. Yeah, thank you. And I'm also really sad that I was the only one that had Dungeons and Dragons on my list. So I'm oh, glad it's Carol in my top twenty. The good person is the Florence Pugh, Morgan Freeman, uh, Zach Braff movie. Huh. Oh yeah, yeah, that movie does look good. I'll have to see that one. It's on Prime. Is that it for you? That's all I got. Oh, uh, I got a message from Dale uh, saying that his favorite films of the year were Cocaine Bear, nice. Sisu, uh, Renfield, Talk to Me, and Strays. Nice. I'm surprised none of you had Cocaine Bear on your list. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> I fine. mean, as far as just like the concept and what a crazy movie. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, I, I believe on the it. episode I said like it didn't go far enough with the concept. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, Zach Bynes sent me a list. Uh, his number 10 is Last Voyage of the Demeter. Nice. That movie's way underrated. Which I'm like. Uh, you don't like it. I, I thought it was really cool. I think I had it on Zach's list. I'm surprised you could see it. It's so dark all the time. <laughs> uh, number nine, Merry Little Batman. That movie is great. Yeah. Is that, like, that's a feature-length movie? Yeah, it's on yeah. Amazon. I thought it was just a short. No, it's like an hour and 40 minutes. Oh, wow. Mm. It, I'm telling you, it doesn't look like it's good. It's really good. Oh, by the way, Ryan, uh, Justice League War World was like this close to being on my list. I it mean, probably would have knocked off Leo. Um, it was there. <laughs> Zach's number eight, uh, Evil Dead Rise. Number seven, Megan. Nice. nice. Uh, six, I'm surprised wasn't on your list. Uh, Super Mario Brothers. Nobody so, had that. So close. It was so close. Yeah. yeah, nobody had Megan either. But it's one of those things where when I go back and look, like I love the Super Mario Brothers movie. I loved that movie. But I said, man, but Godzilla is so unique that I, I had to put it on. Uh, number five, Mutant Mayhem. Number four, Saltburn, which is a fucked up movie. <laughs> Uh, number three, Across the Spider-Verse. Number two, nice. Barbie. And number one for Zach was Godzilla minus one. Nice. Hell yeah. Um, Alex Weimer sent me a couple uh, movie, like pretty much sent me every movie he saw this year because <laughs> he didn't see many. Uh, Extraction 2, The Killer, Mission Impossible 7, nice. Ant-Man 3, Indiana Jones, Guardians, Guardians 3, Barbie and John Wick 4. Hell yeah. Uh, Julio Trujillo, Trujillo uh, sent me Across the Spider-Verse. The Holdovers, Oppenheimer, and Talk to Me. Um, and then Jerry sent in a list, uh, but uh, he actually uh, also made companion audio clips, so let's listen to those now. 
Hey, Oral Nerds, it's Jerry here. Thanks for having me for uh, your Film Explosion 2023. It's been a minute, but I do appreciate you guys welcoming back. Um, so, here's what I have. Uh, I have 10 movies, which I think are really good. Uh, but you might question my sanity after hearing this list. Um, so, I have them staged from number 10 up to number 1. So, you know, number 10 is The Marvels good not bad i think it has two issues one it's been a couple of years since the last movie came out so a lot of people aren't as well connected with the character as they should and two this movie doesn't make any sense in the larger story that marvel is trying to tell which is a big problem that it's you know that it suffers from so uh number nine uh, mission impossible dead reckoning 2 I mean, Dead Reckoning 2, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1. I know there's they're going to do the sequel, which isn't going to be Dead Reckoning, so that title is going to haunt them for a while. There's something to be said about watching Tom Cruise constantly put his life in danger for our enjoyment that's... It's kind of nice. Um, I know it sounds dark, but he's really serious about this craft. Movie was interesting. AI being the villain, I thought was a really um, a little bit ahead of the curve because as this technology continues to evolve, we're starting to see the potential pitfalls and problems that it can cause for us as a society. Um, so the movie getting a jump on that was interesting. Uh, number eight, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. The story. In this was really emotional the connection between Peter and Rocket that brought me to tears several times the high evolutionary the fact that he was just cruel I think that is something I've never seen before uh, in a superhero film and again it brings up Marvel's villain problem they don't know how to spend their time building the villains up I mean this is a villain that I would want to see again but the way it ended and it's just that's always I think that's a universal problem with Marvel um, but everything else was good I was also kind of bummed out with the Adam Warlock Adam Warlock has a much better story in the comics and what they did with him I was you know I that, that felt more James Gunn you know, there's a lot of elements in comics that I think are serious and should be given that gravity, but it's not for everyone. I get it. And so, but to take Adam Warlock and reduce him to that, I was like, you know, you, you, you might have been better with just doing the Guardians of the Galaxy from uh, the Annihilation run. Uh, number seven, v uh, Venture Brothers Radiant is the Baboon's Heart. <laughs> uh, this was a direct to, uh, direct to DVD, uh, direct to video. DVD uh, movie about the series Venture Brothers. It's been going on for a while. And at the tail end of season seven, there was this weird ending in which I think Hank caught Dean having sex with his then girlfriend, who is the daughter of a mob boss who's based off of a whale. I, I don't know. It's <laughs> it's a great series um, that takes shots at the old uh, Hanna-Barbera cartoon, so Johnny Quest and, and all that stuff. So this was, I think, the conclusion of the series and this movie was just fun it's getting together with some old friends and just having a good time which is what this movie was um so number six and five i'm putting them together because it's the barbenheimer overall oppenheimer great movie i mean there are a bunch of a-list actors and that are just in the background and you're just like 
is he going to say anything? Like Rami Malek, he's in the movie, and he doesn't say anything till the end. And you go, you got Rami Malek and an Oscar winner Rami Malek to just be in the background of a movie? Like, that's just... But it goes to Christopher Nolan's uh, approach to filmmaking. So many people just want to be in the movie. And so the movie was great. I uh, had no problem with it. Uh, oh, wait, no, no. There's this one random scene of like... It's like a random sex scene in the middle of the interrogation room, which I'm like... That, that was just so wild. I think I'm going to be that guy. I could have done a much better edit of that. You know, you could have had Emily Blunt staring at the back of Killian Murphy's head, and you could have you know, the first pass, there's nothing. And then the second pass, you have Florence Pugh and Emily Blunt making eye contact. You zoom in on her eyes. You zoom in on Emily Blunt's eye. You zoom in on Florence Pugh's eye. And at that point, you understand. And maybe it also shows the depth of the betrayal. That's what I would have done, as opposed to just like a random moment where it's just like a full-on sex scene. And then we have... Uh, Barbie. Barbie was a movie that I came in with very low expectation. And of course, everything leading up to it where you had a bunch of full-grown men losing their minds over this movie's taking down the patriarchy. And, and I'm like, wow. Um, there are so many hills to die on, but a Barbie movie? Such a fun movie. With my friends, we, we, we did the Barbenheimer weekend, so we did Oppenheimer first and Barbie at the end. Um, so now, we're getting into the juicy. The top four of the list. The most controversial top four of the list. Number four, are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. <laughs> I really like that movie. Uh, the long and short of it is, I think Kern and I were watching a movie, and this is one of the trailers. There's this scene that, I don't know why, but it just made me laugh hysterically in the theater. It was when the girls are saying, we must, we must, we must increase their bust. And I'm just like... <laughs> it's adorable, but it's also really funny. Um, the movie itself was was good, was very well acted. You got a sense of just the perspective of what it means to be a young girl moving into a new spot, making new friends and growing up and and all of that. I, I thought it was a, just a lovely film, so I enjoyed it very much. Number three, Across the Spider-Verse. What can I say about this movie that hasn't already been said? Top to bottom, masterpiece. And I wasn't sure if they could top it. Into the Spider-Verse was already an amazing film and the best Spider-Man movie ever made, in my opinion. And to come into this one, expectations were pretty high, but they knocked it out of the park. This was an incredible movie, and I'm excited for, the, for part two. Number two, The Boy and the Heron. I'm going to make this really short and sweet. Hayao Miyazaki made a movie. Oh, and it was... Okay, That that that's good enough. No need to say anything else. Yep. Uh, and number one, Godzilla minus one. This was... This is a perfect film for me. Um, and I say that because this movie tackled things that I respond to with passion and interest. So it is the conversation around the value of life. Far too often in our culture, we only think that our lives have only value when we die. You know, the legacies we live behind, the heroic nature of what we sacrifice in order to protect something and all of that. And this movie tackled that head on. Um, the important... And... and I, I just it felt as though with 2023 being the wild roller coaster of happiness and all that, 
but especially during the holiday season. So this movie came out, um, and I, I'm not. I usually feel everybody feels a bit down, but this was such an uplifting film that made you just reassess a few things. There are multiple scenes that I could go at length in details and discussion about, but. I think one that I that I really loved, and uh, in my mind always goes back to, is the the interaction between uh, the mechanic and the pilot. Uh, I know that I don't know their names right now, but the fact that there was so much bitterness and hatred between the two because the pilot was a kamikaze pilot. He didn't do his job. He didn't die. And this misperception about his failure was also one of the reasons that they lost. So heading head to head with Godzilla, he's thinking that this is the only way he can make amends and plane smashes into Godzilla's mouth and you think he's dead. We get this quick cut of what he told him in the past that there's an ejection scene in the plane and it left everything into the hands of the pilot and watching tears come out of the mechanic's face when he hears that there's a shoot uh, I told Corinne this this is the only it's so weird to cry at a Godzilla movie <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah. So anyway, that's my top 10. Thanks again, guys. Um, and I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Thanks, Jerry. Yeah. I know his, his list is very similar to mine. It is. We ended up seeing a lot of the same movies sometimes together. It was fun. Nice. Well, as another year comes to close, film explosion has ended with my list being the best of all of them. Boo. Um, Brad, are we doing retro film explosions this year? Uh, yeah, this is our okay. last year. As I say, I, I can't remember if it was this year or the following. Um, yeah, 84, 94, and 2004, and 2014. Very cool. Um, yeah, next week we're seeing American Fiction, and that should be fun. Yeah. Looks like a cool movie. Seen it already? No, jealous. <laughs> I'll see it tomorrow when my kid's in school. And I'm going to go see Mean Girls on Wednesday. Is that when it opens? Well, I got tickets to a preview. Cool. So. Yeah, it's uh, on Wednesdays it's we wear Up pink. with the plastics or down with whatever the other girls are named. Sure. <laughs> Isn't that the name of like the bad girls? Hmm? Like the mean girls in there? Aren't they the plastics? Yeah, the plastics. So what are the other girl click called? I don't think they have a click. Mm. They're just a group of friends. Cool. Outcasts. Yeah. Also look forward to uh, us hopefully being back at Fan Expo this year. Oh, yeah. So yeah we have an on. idea. Maybe we'll finally get that Thriller's uh, documentary done. <laughs> when is Fan Expo this year? Uh, July 4th. Independence Day weekend. Yeah. Oh, fun. Four days. Yeah. Hopefully uh, they'll invite us back so we can make our super awesome booth that we're planning. Mm, yep. And if not, we're going to stand outside the convention center and it anyways. <laughs> Until next time. We'll see you at the movies. Get real. <laughs> you waited all year, hear what the nerds have chosen. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion. Film explosion! Thanks for listening to Real Nerds Podcast, a Nebulous Visions production. Stream or download episodes, read articles at realnerdspodcast.com. Stream us on Apple or Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or iHeartRadio. Follow us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. Twitter and Instagram, at Real Nerds. Watch us on YouTube, Real Nerds Podcast. Email us at realnerds at gmail.com. 
Call us at 720-6Nerds5. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill, Mike at Plan 9 Studios, and Bologna for all of our groovy theme songs. And that's how you fucking do it.